we're back for another episode of the Table Podcast. I'm going to start talking through a smile every time I talk because don't I sound so much more happy? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and we're back for another episode of the Table Podcast. So that's said with a smile. See if you can hear the difference. This is said without a smile. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Table Podcast. That's how much a smile changes. Yeah. Tell me that you've missed me, Drew. I missed you. Now say it with a smile. I missed you. <laughs> Dude, it's a game changer. Game changer. Like I dare I I double dog dare you to talk to your friends <laughs> mm-hmm. in just a, a smile. smile. Yeah. Next time you have bad news through a smile and Yeah, but not Miguel. Really. You know what Miguel does, dude? He talks through an upside down <laughs> smile. Like okay. you've ever known these kinds of guys? Like when you say, How was that? And then picture the upside upside down smile and they say, Yeah, it's good. Like it's an upside down. You know what I'm talking about? Because if you're driving in your car, you're doing an upside down smile right now, and you're trying to get whatever this yeah, exa- yeah. what I'm, what you think it looks like is exactly what it looks like. In my mind, I'm trying to like pucker but smile through it. First of all, who uses pucker. the word yeah, pucker? I said pucker because yeah, that's there's <laughs> a lot. Like of, a, it's more of like a piercing of the lips, like pucker. Pucker is one of those words. <laughs> pucker and pursing are words that like. No, you said piercing. What? You no. Said, you didn't? Pursing. No. You didn't say piercing. Wait, I said piercing. You said I piercing. Know. I don't know. You have to. You have to roll it back. Dude. Roll it you back. have to roll it back. But those are all words that you read in books that you don't use in everyday language. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh gosh. I hope everybody's been doing well. Things have been good. There's been crazy stuff happening in the world. We watched an airplane video just a second ago and there was turbulence and people hit their head on the top of the plane. And I always think about that when I fly. Scary stuff. It's scary stuff. I it's why you try to just go to sleep. So Drew does. Drew just knocks out like a light, like a ton of bricks. Gets on he just saves <laughs> like you ever gone on a long flight and you just stay up extra late so that you can just sleep on the flight? I do that sometimes. Yeah. No, I do do that. Doo-doo is also a funny <laughs> phrase to I use when you say, I do do that. I didn't want to be that person. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. You didn't hear it? You, didn't, you don't, because you never smell your own doo-doo and you don't hear your own doo-doo. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Are we doing doo-doo for this intro? Is that what's happening right now? I do that all the time, though. I say doo-doo because I do like the way that you said it. The way you said doo-doo, I do do that, right? Like it's a right. It's, you said yeah, I do yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it's funny because you don't realize like I just said, said doo-doo. But it's also relevant because I do do that. But the, the emphasis, emphasis is everything. And so there's that. And um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, you know what else I want to talk about is how Forever 21 is doing a Cheetos exclusive line because I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. I feel like you don't agree. Uh, it's, it's trying See, too hard. See, this is Miguel. Miguel. Well, it is trying too no. hard. So you guys saw what I'm talking about, right? Like they're yeah. partnering... And it's not just Cheetos, it's Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> They're partnering in, what do they call it? In a, uh, a collab. No, it's, they call it a collab? Did they really call it a collab? Yeah. It's a, um, so it's a collab with Cheetos and Forever 21, which, I mean, it's a, it's a good store. It has fashionable stuff. I'm looking for the picture right now. Mm-hmm. But what did I say there they it call is. it? They called it an exclusive something. Oh, there it is. No, that was the... Um, so this is real. This is a real... Like, I'm on their website. I could literally buy it right now. Flamin' Hot Cheetos bodysuit. Hey, the tube dress. The, oh! Okay, if you don't know what the tube dress looks like, open a bag of chips <laughs> from the top, and then open a bag of chips from the bottom, <laughs> and, and then jump in. And if you it. jump in, then you're wearing yourself the Flamin' Hot Cheetos tube dress. Just open the there bag of chips from the top and the bottom. Hey, are there reviews? Because I definitely, if there are reviews, I want to read. Out of stock, dude. Out of stock. Are you kidding? Oh, back in stock. Oh, back in stock. (laughs) That means it was. That That means means it was. It was out of stock. It was out of stock, and now it's back in stock. Would this would this be acceptable? Like, would you would you let the lady sexy the house? What is this? Why did you choose this? 
So cute. Very different. So cute. Very cute. And definitely hey. make that purchase. Hey, go back. It says, <laughs> why did you choose this? My, my da- daughter. My daughter. <laughs> very different. Wait, what does it say? Very different and very <laughs> cute. Indefinitely. Hey, indefinitely. Indefinitely make, make that purchase. Because it's pretty cool. <laughs> Wait, go back. Luis. Who wrote that? Luis Marie. It's pretty cool. It's very cute. It's, hey, what? it's cute and playful. Because <laughs> there's nothing more playful. Dude, <laughs> there's dude, nothing that says this? When someone's like, oh, that's fun. Or like, oh, you look, it looks so fun. Or like, you look so fun today. Like, what does that mean? You know? I, yeah. Like, you, how do you, you, you like, yeah, you look fun. Yeah. Like, it's fun. Like, is that, is that, a, I lived off hot, here's one, here's another, another, uh, why did you choose this? I lived off hot Cheetos from the age of six, six through 17. Through 17. Yeah. That's eleven years. That's a long time to live one of a kind. That's true. Um, gonna I'm gonna wear, wear it for Halloween. They they, they, they okay, might have they might have got it right. How yeah. does it get? Wait, what is the score? It's it's sitting at a four out of five right now. No, it's a four. Hey, ten four, ten would 4. recommend. 5. Go down. Right here. Love this. Can dress. I write a review? Ten ten. Would Wish they had lemon hot Cheetos. Hey, look at thought, hey, thought Cheeto life, dude. <laughs> Thought Cheeto life fits a. Uh, I love that the person says, uh, Christy R says, great dress, fits true to size and shoes. <laughs> it shows off curves nicely. Also, my... also, also spelled shoes shows wrong and wrote shoes. Oh, I love go down. I look, I look flaming hot in it. This dress fits perfectly. It shows off my curves nicely. My boyfriend loved it. Okay. <laughs> what does that say about your boyfriend, right? Do you see any lady in your life? You pop open the bag at the top and the bottom, and you say "hop in," and then you say, "I like it." Like you know what I mean? Like what does that conversation look like? Hey, babe, you like you like my my graphic tube dress? And then he responds, "I like it." I like it. Yes, I do like it. What would you say? Okay, uh, uh, Miguel. So Sharissa walks in. Okay, visualize this. Sharissa. Okay. Sharissa walks in, mm-hmm. and and when she opens the door. She's standing there, right? And the light's like coming through the window and it hits her perfectly. And she's in a in the flaming hot Cheetos graphic tube dress. What do you say? Oh man, we're going to therapy because she hit a midlife crisis. <laughs> that is not Drew, it. What it would be your response? Like, is this something? No, the thing is, this would never just happen. Yeah, it would never <laughs> happen. <laughs> Jack, Jacqueline wouldn't go for it. I love how they dress it up with it. Click on what kind of shoes is she wearing? Click what is, on, what's uh, the style with this? Yeah. What is that? What I like is how her hair is the like sneakers. Yeah. Too. It's the, the high anyway, tops. we're just talking about. I mean, honestly, somebody's probably making money, and that's why they're doing it because the only reason people disrespect themselves is to make money. I think. Am I? I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> Hold on, explain that. Though. Like that's heavy, bro. You, you can't just say that. Hey, like dropping <laughs> dropping whiz like bombs. No, like I mean, there's certain things that you wouldn't do, but if the price is right, like, well, I guess we consider it. You know what I mean? Like, how how for many sure, z- how sure. many z- you want me to, you want me to you want me to do a, a collaboration with you, and your brand isn't that isn't that good? Isn't 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 what I want it to be? You're not you're not Nike, but your but your Skechers or your something else. And there's nothing wrong with Skechers, but. <laughs> But also how many zeros are after the one, right, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, because it, say you don't wear Skechers, say you're a Nike guy or say you're, say you're a, an Adidas guy. Okay. Say you're a Nike guy, say you're a, say you're a Nike guy, but you, but you don't like Adidas, but Adidas is like, Hey, want to do a partnership? And then you said, how many zeros? Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's got Why, a price. Taylor's in the room and he shakes his head like that wouldn't Everyone's happen. Bro, uh, can I tell you something? For a million dollars, you'd take off your Nikes and you slap That's on right. some Adidas. You would be three stripes for life so You know what fast. the problem is here, There, there is a, a dollar amount. You shake your head, but there is a dollar oh, amount. Sure, think sure. about what you could. Think about what you could do. You know what I mean? 
You could just invest that money and you'd never work, never have to work a job or nothing. You yeah. would do it. You would he, totally he do it. For a million. Huh? He don't know yet. He's too young. He's too don't know the value of a dollar, son. <laughs> no, hey, money doesn't grow on trees. Imagine this like in Cool Ranch, though. Oh. Like imagine actually, the other like flavors. <laughs> actually, like, I'd be down for hey, some cool. like cool. No, hey, Funyuns, bro. <laughs> Or like the, you know the ultimate low though would be a Frito like a the like twist, the, honey barbecue. Those are like really Funyuns is trying to jump on board. <laughs> no, could you like cheese? Could Fritos. you imagine? Yeah, um, I mean they're already kind of taking it places. I don't know, and then they have, I don't know. There's so many things that we can say, but it shows it shows who we are as a it's nation, not folks. Easy being cheesy, oh. but see, I understand like that is a graphic tee, yeah. but the fact that it's a tube dress, oh, yeah. like and trying to make it look like. <laughs> fashionable is hilarious is coming awesome. in hot is their slogan coming in hot um what was the thing there's uh, and then kfc is also oh yeah KFC. it's all of these all of these like it's, classic honestly like, it's cheetos uh marketing right now cheeto just trained, killing dude. it gotta hop on the cheeto hey, don't it's hate the hustle i'll tell you that much because they're making money hey, they don't they care are. look at this they don't care it's true and Cheetos we and you know what? XKFC. You you we may we may throw stones at it, dude. But if you if somebody called your Instagram account and said, "Hey, we know you only we we know you might not have a lot of followers, but we'll offer you some money to partner with with Long John Silvers," you'd say, "How many zeros?" Right. Somewhere, <laughs> like if, like if Lacroix was like, "Hey, I want to sponsor this." I hate Lacroix, hey, but guess what? Can I what? tell you something though? I used to be anti-Lacroix and persecute Lacroix because it was so like trendy and silly. But it's zero calories, and I'm all about it now. <laughs> Ever since Austin Austin, Austin Ariola came on the podcast and taught me the zero podcast means or zero podcast on, zero I, calories, like that's what I, I'm all about. That life now. Okay, so now you, the other day you said that Tic Tacs are zero calorie. Yeah, they are. Okay, but if you eat like ten Tic Tacs, there's a point where it doesn't become zero calorie. I'm pretty sure it still says zero calories. No, I just so. saw I just saw because something about it. You can't eat a tub of zero calorie Tic Tacs and that equal nothing. Watch me. <laughs> Because I did it in the tub and zero calories. Um, is that true? I don't know. Hey, hey, we'll have to talk about that later. Anyway, today on the uh, podcast, Tic Tacs are, are sugar. sugar. No, period. They're low on. They're okay. 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 So we just read one blog, and then all of a sudden it's true. I see the kind of guys you are. Whatever's top on Google, that's true. Okay, remember there was such thing as encyclopedias. What does the encyclopedia say? Because that's what encyclopedia. Give me the encyclopedia. Do you want to go to the library and find an encyclopedia? Ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast today, Lindsay Roberts, her husband Richard, has been on the podcast before. Uh, Their family is absolutely legendary. They come from uh, incredible legacy. It was honestly, it was one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever got to do. The conversation, enlightening, power packed. You're gonna need to listen to it and then listen to it again, and probably just like pause in the middle to think about some of the things that uh that are said there is no one like lindsey roberts on the face of the earth um just getting um being able to create the space for her to come out to california and do this uh, has been years in the making and so her being willing to stop by was really really cool and i know that you are going to love the podcast richard was here but he didn't talk he just sat in the corner and sipped dr pepper which he says is the nectar of the gods of the gods and he is not wrong so, lady, what, what you have something you're about to say? I prefer oh. diet. You prefer diet? No. See, yeah. See, you're. Well, you know. Can I tell you something? Hey, how Drew? quickly do can, you change can I tell, up, my hey, man? I do have something to tell you though. If you like diet because it's low cal, but if you drink enough Dr Pepper, <laughs> then it's no longer no calories, Drew. Oh, <laughs> and I know you're gonna love this one, ladies and gentlemen. Lindsay Roberts. First the barricade, now the table. The table on 
Do you have good genes in your family? Like, does your you well, come I a have family blue of like? Jeans. <laughs> I have oh, we got a comedian. <laughs> I have very good genes in my you family. You should do stand up, by the way, because that's my favorite thing about you. Like, and this is why, like, is that a stand up? It's, it's a you miracle. Could be, you could be like a stand up comedian, do like a stand up set. Thank you. Um, but that's always been my favorite thing about you is you're just tell it like it is. You know what I mean? That's what you do. You sure that's a good thing? That is a good, such a great thing. Okay, I'll I remember it. being at um, at ORU. I was telling Richard when we talked, and um, when you had purple hair. Yeah, different on what month it was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, it was always my favorite thing when you'd get up and talk because you just man, you break it down. You just Thank tell it like you. it is. What a, you it's go, all I know. Go, go for it. Yep. What it was your um, talking about genetics though, like. Um, Growing up, like, what was your what was your childhood like? I don't know that I've ever really really odd. Odd? Yeah, my dad was a <laughs> That's car such dealer. A w- different word to use yeah. to describe your childhood. Like most people would say difficult or no weird. easy uh-uh. or confusing, but just odd. My dad died when I was twelve. Wow! And so he was a car dealer, and so I never knew anything beyond that little tiny radius. And it just threw everybody for a loop, and you had to learn how to completely regroup, become a completely different dynamic as a family, become a completely Mm. different dynamic in life. And so you had to learn a lot of things of working together and a lot of things of working individual and separate and still maintain your sanity. Yeah. So it was really different. So you did you have, and you had siblings? Uh huh. I had siblings, and you know. you always think that there's a similarity, yeah. but there's also a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I are really similar, and he's um, in the ministry, married, but kids minis- in the ministry. Uh, your family in general didn't come from ministry then, or Nobody they did? Nobody that I know of at all. It, there was, like, my my close family, many of them were saved, yeah. but not, I. you know, I, it was never really... The car dealership was the point of interest. And so it was really difficult for me when I was, I, I was headed to law school. Yeah. And I was, you know, everything that revolved around me was intellect. Mm-hmm. And so to jump from intellect to minister, I don't know a preacher in my whole family. And now my brother is. Wow. But prior to that, I don't even know if there was anywhere genetics if there ever was a preacher it's so interesting too like i think about the trajectory of like people and work and how most majority of people like you kind of end up in somewhat of a radius of whatever you were raised around i guess it's because it's what you know completely totally 100 percent different so did you feel did what was the even law school and things like that how did you break out of the mold of this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to become to consider even something remotely different? Because a lot of times it's the fear, right, that people yeah. that won't branch out or do different things or experience. My dad had leukemia. Mm-hmm. And just before he died, literally it was, I think it was one day before he died. Um, you know, you go to church. I was raised Methodist, nothing wrong with that, nothing, yeah. you know, it was church. But I didn't understand healing, didn't understand praying for the sick, didn't understand that you could believe and expect a miracle. Didn't I knew who God was, I knew who Jesus was, I knew what salvation was, and I knew Sunday school pins. Yeah. I'm only twelve. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot you can really grasp in that. And when my dad got sick and the just before he passed away, 
someone in my dad's car dealership connected with Oral. Mm. And I had known who Oral was. My family had been partners with Oral. But I didn't know that it was like weird. It's like when you hear him on the telephone, yeah. you're a real person. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> right. you're not a TV guy. You're a real right. human being. Yeah. That was a weird connection. Yeah. And so I walked into his hospital room, and he was laughing. And I mean, he's like a day from going on to heaven. Yeah. And he's laughing. And his nickname was Happy anyway, Happy Harry. That was his, that, that was wow. his nickname. So wow. it wasn't that odd. But he was so sick hmm. to think that he was that jovial Mm-hmm. was kind of weird. Yeah. And you could feel an atmosphere in the room. And finally, I said, who are you talking to? And he said, Oral Roberts. And I started giggling because I thought he was being funny. Yeah. But he really was. He was, was... talking. Oral had called him and wow. prayed for him. And I really believe that it was life-changing for all of us that day. Yeah. So I started following him on television. Yeah. And he was that something good man. Uh-huh. When you're 12 years old and your father dies, you've got to have something good or you go goofy yeah and he i watched him i couldn't wait for sunday morning to come along so i could hear something good Mm. it wasn't so i could hear him preach although i loved hearing preach it was so i could hear something good wow and that was my whole connection um went to college and wanted to go to law school my um whole premise of law school was you know put your brains into work and work really hard and you'll be successful right well so when i heard that he had opened up a law school i just catapulted there got accepted and 16 weeks later married richard (laughs) 16 are you kidding me don't you ever are you kidding me 16 weeks so like on a regular basis i tell my did you guys know each other before this what in the world no no Okay, no. tell him, what's the story? So a guy that I was in law school with was like one of his closest friends, yeah. and he sat next to me in law school. <laughs> but I'm the kind of like single-focused, yeah. super-focused kind of person. Yeah. And so I don't like to do two or three things at once because I feel like it will diminish my right. ability to do it well. Right. So um, I, he kept sitting next to me saying, I got somebody for you to meet. No. I want you to meet somebody. Double no. Not interested. Uh, no, because... I felt like, and a law, law school was all consuming, and yeah. I wanted to do well. And if I'm, if you're taking my money, I'm going to get <laughs> right. everything I can get out of this rascal. Right. So I wanted to be excellent at it, yeah. and I was kind of driven by that. And I didn't feel like I went there to fail, mm-hmm. so I wanted to focus. And I'm, I'm that kind of per- person. Mm. If there's one thing going, I like to focus on one thing, finish the task, check the box, and go to the next thing. Yeah. And so while I was trying to do that. He kept bugging me. Well, of course, with his name being next to me, he was in my study group and all this. I'm like, go away. Yeah. Please leave me alone. He was a wonderful guy. And we were always... And this is not Richard. This is the no, friend this is the that friend. is trying to get and, you. Yeah. And so one day he tricked me. And they had um, this whole um, seminar thing. And of course, I had the car, so everybody piled into my car. And he said, I know a shortcut. My friend said, I know a shortcut how to get out of here. I said, okay, great. Well, lying through his teeth, he had planned the whole thing, and he took me where Richard was backstage, and I met him that night, and I said, I'm out of here. Oh I'm done with these gosh. crazy people. And he called me. and he had I, ar- Richard already yep, knew who you were. But I wouldn't answer the phone. <laughs> I didn't like. So you weren't like the because that was like I mean that was like celebrity family, right? I mean, yeah, I I thought that of his dad, (laughs) but he wasn't. Um, (laughs) No, I I was so 
used to his dad. By now, I'm in my 20s. I yeah. was 23, and I'd I'd seen his dad on television since I was like 12. Yeah. So I had had 10 years of his daddy. Right. And I was focused on I love the Lord. I love Oral. I yeah. think Oral's amazing. Couldn't care less about anything else. Yeah. So I, it wasn't part of my wow. Let's go meet somebody. Right. I am so not that person. I'm. I was always shy. I never spoke a word in school. I hid behind books. I wanted to be a tax attorney because you didn't have to deal with people, just numbers. <laughs> and I was like a super number person. I, you know, I always uh-huh. like numbers because yeah. they don't talk back. They don't talk back. Yeah. So I didn't want. So how did you, to sixteen weeks later, end up marrying? Him. He kept calling, and so not dating, marrying. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so good. He had preached on David and Goliath and okay. defeating your greatest giant, and uh-huh. he said, "Richard uh-huh. said, what's your greatest giant?'" When he met me, uh-huh. and I said, "You," for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Lord really put him on my heart to pray for him, which I thought was a total waste of time because I was busy praying for myself and trying to get through law school. Right. And second of all, his friend Linwood wouldn't stop bugging me. So I'm like, you're my greatest giant because I'm trying to concentrate. And he looked at my friend Linwood and he said, why'd you bring this nut back to meet me? He called me a nut. He did. He did. I'm not kidding. He did. And I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, he said, what did I ever do to you? And I said, I don't know, but the Lord has kept me up praying for you. And that was it. And I walked away. I was like, Looney Tune. Oh, my gosh. And so... He kept, they bugged him. Yeah. It bothered him that he called me a nut uh-huh. and I called him as my, my biggest giant because uh-huh. I couldn't get past, you know, stop praying for him. Right. And he thought it was crazy. Uh-huh. So he finally asked Linwood for my number to call me to say, Why am I your giant? And I wanted to say, Why am I a nut? <laughs> and so, But I wouldn't answer it. I was like, You call me a nut. You oh lost your gosh. chance, buddy. <laughs> so what was the turnaround? What? He finally convinced me to just go have dinner. Uh-huh. And I opened the door, and something hit me. It was as though the Spirit of God said to me, that's the person you'll marry. Mm -hmm. That is not me. I have taught my children way better than that. Yeah, right. And that's not my personality. I have to think about it and then pray about it and then pray about what I thought about and then analyze it. Right. And maybe, just maybe, (laughs) I'll start doing it. But... It, I knew it. What do you say to people though that that do that a lot? Because like the whole like God told me you're my spouse thing gets really tricky, and especially I think in the within the context of church because people use it as their secret weapon to get what they want. Sometimes I call that wishful prophecy. Okay. And there's this part of the scripture. Explain that says, wishful wishful prophecy. Like what does wishful that mean? prophecy is when you make a wish and then you say you prophesy it and you say God told me uh-huh. and God didn't tell you and He's coming up from heaven saying I never said that. <laughs> That's wishful prophecy. But yeah. when it bears witness with your spirit. Mm-hmm. And it won't go away, and you keep praying it, and then it's confirmed in the mouths of several witnesses, not girlfriends who want, right. you know, to glean off of something. Right, right. But when you really know it's in your spirit, mm-hmm. and you really know the voice of God, how do you know the voice of God? Well, if you read the Word, God talks like He writes, and mm-hmm. He writes like He talks, and He doesn't talk like your worst enemy. He talks like your best friend. Mm-hmm. And when you're settled in that, you know something inside. And I have had, like I said, since I was 12 years old, I had to operate on listening to God, trusting God, trusting that I could trust God. Right. So I was used to that. So when God began to talk to me, it wasn't like, wow, first time I heard your voice, stranger, who are you? This was something that I really, I spent a lot of time in my life in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, 
it was familiar to me. And when I heard what God was saying, it was so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. I had to really pray it through and say, but God, I have such a peace. Yeah. And I think that's it. When you try to manipulate the word of God, it's chaotic. When right. you have the peace of God, it's completely different. Right. And I had the peace of God in and it. And two, isn't there like an element of, I mean, I, hearing your story, it's not even something that you were like, like passionately desiring first no. and then like God no. reaffirmed. Because it's, I feel like a lot of times people manipulate what they say is the voice they of God. They get a thought in their head y yeah. and so try for, to put it in their heart. So for, for you, maybe because people listening, there's a lot of people that listen that aren't even familiar with the context of hearing the voice of God and what all that means. And, you know, when people say within our context, you know, God spoke to me, how have you learned to be able to, I mean, you talk about he writes, you know, he talks like he writes mm -hmm. and, and all that, but how have you been able to, to navigate that? Because I'm sure even for you, it's been a process, right? Like Let's a talk figuring secular. out. Okay. Have you ever heard the expression, I had that gut feeling? Right. So when you have that gut feeling and you don't know the Holy Spirit and you don't know the Lord, you think it's something within yourself, mm -hmm. but you still know it and yeah. you still feel it and you can't get away from it. Yeah. When you know the Lord and you know the Holy Spirit, you no longer call it that gut feeling. Right. You say, you know, I feel like the Lord is saying something to me. Mm -hmm. So whether it was before I knew the Lord, I had that gut instinct, right. or after I knew the Lord, there's just something... You know, Oral used to say, I know that I know that I know yeah. that I know. Yeah. That's what it felt like. How do you know that? Because I had such peace. Yeah. And it was something so foreign to me to have peace. Listen, when you, by the time you get to law school, you have studied, you've had no sleep, you've spent a lot of money, you've worked hard. So for me to think I'm going to totally shift gears and change my ways, yeah. I had to know that there was something beyond my brain telling me this. Have you ever been in a position, though, where it's felt the opposite, where like you felt like you knew it was God, but the, it was hard to find peace? Like I, yeah. and Almost because of the, the yeah. natural circumstances. When you have this thought process that we call our brain, uh -huh. and you develop your brain because you're supposed to. Right. If you're not careful and you overdevelop your brain and underdevelop your spirit, mm. or you overdevelop your spirit, but you don't use your head because mm. he gave you a brain, yeah. then, there, then it's chaotic. But when I feel like I don't know that I know, I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person, I have this weird saying, when in doubt, leave it out. Yeah. And so what I'll do is I won't do anything until I have prayed. Like I said, for me to have gotten married in 16 weeks, I had to know. Hmm. Because I'm not the kind that moves that way. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to maybe ask somebody that I trust right. and have them pray about it. So I think there's, there's something good about that. So many times we want a microwave answer, a microwave miracle, so push true. a button, your answer pops out. If yeah. it didn't pop out in 60 seconds, God's not in it. Yeah, right. But God took time in the Bible. Yeah. Sometimes it takes time to develop. And if it won't leave you, yeah. and if it's always there with you, if it's in the front of your mind and your thought process, if it's in your heart, if it's in your spirit, yeah. and it's peaceful, but right. you can't get away from it, you know, Evelyn used to have a wonderful saying, you have to pray it through. Hmm. I never knew what that meant. Yeah. And I said, what does pray it through mean? And she would always say, pray until you get through to God. <laughs> pray until you get through. And you know, there's yeah. that funny thing about your gut, your spirit, mm -hmm. your peace. You know when it's there. Yeah. You know when you've prayed through. So when you're even talking about peace, because you have all these words that get hijacked in a lot of ways by mm -hmm. society and take on very vast meanings, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking 
about more than just an emotional calm. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a, a knowing. When Jesus talks about being our peace, uh -huh. he's like nothing missing, nothing broken. We know that. Yeah. But there's an interesting scripture that says there is a peace that passes your human understanding. Right, right, right. It actually means it bypasses. And like if you've ever seen somebody that's had a heart bypass, mm -hmm. the traditional trajectory that it's supposed to go, and they have to stop that and they have to bypass it mm -hmm. because something's not working. Mm -hmm. Usually in our humanness, peace isn't always working. So what we do is when we pray, there is a peace, a spiritual concept of who God is, and Jesus is our peace. He doesn't have it today, lose it tomorrow. Right. He's peace. So if I will tell my human side and my brain and my constantly thinking, because I'm real analytical, yeah. to just chill, stop it, shut down, yeah. and listen to God. Just yeah. listen to that sweet voice of God. He will bypass uh -huh. my human thinking and go into my spirit. Mm. He'll say, Lindsay, and my husband always says to me, down flesh, <laughs> because I am that way. My flesh does like to, to, to yeah. think things through or to talk or to analyze. And when I can tell my flesh, Lindsay, don't you dare think about this. Don't you dare have an opinion of this. Lindsay, this is not about you. Down flesh, and I pray, and I honestly, without being ugly, I shut my mouth. Mm. I let God make a decision, and I know when it has bypassed my human understanding, because even if it's illogical, makes no sense, seems totally ridiculous, God using the things the world calls foolish, Yeah, I have peace about it. And how do you, so how, if you have to say, peace is defined as, how, do you def, how are you defining that now? I define it as a knowing inside my yeah. soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right. When my mind can be at peace, calm, uh, n not chaotic, right. and at the same time my will, right. not chaotic, and at the same time my emotions, not chaotic, all at the same time, jackpot. That's, yeah. that's peace. And does sometimes that take time to find? Like as far as, like, cause isn't there... I feel like in my journey, there's been times where like I will internally know or have a knowing, but emotionally still struggle through the mm -hmm. imbalance of man. I the um, your emotions feel like a all roller coaster. Yeah, I want them all to be on the same page. Uh -huh. And if my mind, my will, you know, Oral used to say, if you have a train and it's going down a track, it has four wheels, right? Mm -hmm. If only one wheel is off. You're headed for a train wreck. Right. So I think that way with my mind, my will, and my emotions. Mm. When they're all in sync, that's something. So it's not always that way. So right. you, have to, you have to actually, in all honesty, pray it through. Yeah. We all have this human side that we got to think it through, and we got to do this. And everybody says that. I'm 63, mm -hmm. and now at 63, I don't listen to that stuff anymore. Because even my closest friends who may even be Christians could miss it. Yeah. I take time and I always take a step back. When you say that stuff anymore, what are you referring to? It's so easy to hear, I call it this, voices and choices. Mm -hmm. Listen, when I grew up, we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. I mean, heck, we hardly, right. <laughs> hardly had communication <laughs> without climbing up a telephone pole <laughs> and talking on one of those wire things. Okay, not yeah. that bad. It wasn't two, two tin cans in yeah, a rope. It was kind of closed, but it wasn't that. Okay. But we have this opportunity yeah. to get on the 
quote, information superhighway, mm-hmm. and it'll take you in every super direction you can think of. So you are constantly bombarded right. with really bad information, with really good information, with information you wish to God you never heard, yeah. and all of this other stuff. So I shut it down. Yeah. I shut people down. I shut it all down. And I have to trust that if it's my decision, I have to go hear from God. And yeah. God doesn't come and rumble the room and move the windows. I'm not against that. It'd be lovely if he did sometime. I just know that within my decision-making process, I feel chaotic or all of the sudden, it's like all the cylinders start sparking together and I can do this thing. Mm-hmm. Is that something that just comes with time though? Like as far as the, here's what I'm I saying is you, so. you say, I'm 63, I just, I shut it down. Yeah. I would assume it hasn't always been that way or it hasn't always been that easy as just shutting it down, right? I I had to change gears at 12 Hmm. and I had to learn how to, this is a terrible word to say to a 12-year-old, but grow up. Yeah. And so at 12, when I had to grow up, I made some of the stupidest mistakes a human being could make thinking at that time, Wow, that was just brilliant when really it was just stupid. So I don't think you ever reach a place like that in your age or your maturity or anything else. I think that it all goes back to going into a place, shutting it down and saying, God, I want to hear from you. Yeah. And you can do it at 12. You can do it at five. Um, Your humanness has so many opportunities to mess it up. And you know what? I mess it up all the time. I still mess it up thinking, that was God. And God was like, maybe it was close. But what you have to do is you're simple in your humanness saying, I repent. Tell me it again. Tell me it to you. Tell it to me more clear. Yeah. And just get up and do it again. I don't think we'll ever reach perfection. We're pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Right. God did not make us perfection. Whenever I goof up, I always think that's my human factor. Yeah. But if we stay in that, it'll be a disaster. But if we say, okay, it's my human factor, Father God, show me a better way. Mm-hmm. Teach me a better way. Give me inside information or give it to me in a way I can relate to it. How are you, how are you shutting off the voices when your humanity, I'm sure, would pull you towards caring what people think? My whole life, I was a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and I still am. When somebody's upset with me, if somebody thinks I'm an idiot, if somebody thinks I'm a this or I'm a that, I will cry until there are no more tears, and then I figure out a way to have more tears, and then I cry, mm. and then when all that's done, I throw up. Yeah. Because I'm human. Yeah. So what I have to do is say, in eternity, will God be pleased with this or not? Mm. And and half the time, you think, in my flesh, Oh, I hope they liked me, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I do because that's my personality. Yeah. And having so much rejection after you, you've been through things in 63 years, right. having all of that, and you have that much opportunity to fail, right. to be stupid, right. to be smart, and to be invisible, having all of those opportunities, if I give into the flesh, which I do from time to time, yeah, I have to have the good sense to know when you sow into the spirit of the spirit you reap, life everlasting. When you mm-hmm. sow into the flesh, you could reap a lot of corruption. So I try to say down flesh. Mm-hmm. Which would be your natural senses. Natural, and I'm, I'm kind of like a real thinker. Right. 
And so I have to be very careful to say down flesh. And I have to say to myself, self, you got to stop thinking so much. Close your mind, close your mouth, and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. And I literally, when I say close off, I'll go into a room, I'll shut the door, I'll shut everything. Mm -hmm. I will shut it down. You know, in our cell phone society, if you turn your cell phone off three minutes just to let it reboot, you think you missed the whole universe. (laughs) I mean, you really do. You just think, wow, something must have blown up during those three minutes. But I have learned that if I don't, I think too much. And that's dangerous. Yeah. It's funny, too, because society and culture currently is not helping that no. paradigm. You know, it's it's I feel like in a lot of ways, there's the human side that makes it a constant in, in just humanity. Right. This yeah. this burden of caring what people think. But then there is this bombardment in a lot of ways you're bombarded with yeah. through technology. The, yeah. you, you feel this pressure. I was even talking with my wife about it in just life. This it's weird how. It's so sensory and almost feels primitive and um, like it's a like it's a like it's a part of your like a part of just like who you are to naturally be fit into this pressure cooker of what people yeah. think, even when you even when you consciously don't want to. Like I want to be I want to be authentic. I want to be who yep. I am. I don't want people to put me in a box. And then the things you're sitting thinking about is what are they going to think or what what the pressure of of other people. You know how Jesus, when you think about who, who God is, he is a creator. Mm-hmm. Satan's not a creator. He can't create. He doesn't have the ability, but he's a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. So he can imitate. Mm-hmm. Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion will lead you to rid a person of the problem they're facing. Mm-hmm. Jesus was literally the embodiment of compassion. Yeah. And if we're not careful... Satan will use that against us and make us think, well, if I'm not compassionate, I'm not relatable. Mm -hmm. Compassion is when God tells you to do something. And if you're not careful, you want to have compassion, Mm. and you could just teeter on casting your pearls before swines. Mm. So you have to know that God directs your steps. You know, remember a psalm that says, Psalm 1-1, he starts, he starts the psalms out with 1-1. Right. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Right. Well, that's, in today, you're going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Yeah. Nor stand in the way of sinners. If you walk out the door, there's going to be sinners, <laughs> right. maybe in your own house, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Nor sit in the seat of scornful. Listen, it is so easy to be a scornful, opinionated weirdo. It is yeah. so easy yeah. because you hear it, you process it, what goes in is going to come out. Yeah. But he said, if your delight's in the law of the Lord, and in that law do you meditate day and night, it doesn't mean you sit like a goose and you just pour it in like, right. you know, like... Like, like just sitting there all day. Yeah, all not, day long. Yeah. You're in the world, you're not of it. He said, when you do, you'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, whatsoever he does shall prosper. When you get into the word and you let that word get into you, mm-hmm. it's your governor. Mm-hmm. It's that discerning thing, that still small voice. It's that gut feeling, that instinct that what you put in really is going to impact you. Now, yeah. if you spend all day listening to um, critical news, right. it's going to come out your mouth. Yeah. What you put in is going to come out. Yeah. You know, garbage in, garbage out. If you spend, spend all day listening to worship, yeah. Whether you even mean it or not, it's going to come out. Right. If I challenged you and I said to you, right this second, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Yeah. About 10 o'clock yeah. tonight, you're going to get mad at me and say, I can't get I that can't out, get of, my song out of my head. <laughs> so if you put it in your spirit, yeah. 
with the word of God, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Mm. The proof of what you know in God is to get up at three o'clock in the morning, go to the refrigerator, have all the lights out, trip over the furniture. Four of your toes point south and the little tiny one points north. Uh, and what comes out yeah, of your mouth you don't know. is what's in there. Every once in a while, it's supposed to be redeemed. When you really get in pressure cooking yeah. situations, yeah. not when it's silly and goofy, because mm-hmm. we all do that. But when you get yeah. into pressure cooking situations and you say something out of your right. mouth and you think, how did I think that? You didn't. Yeah, it's been in there, huh? It's been in there. It's been in It's there. been processing. So the key really to overcoming a lot of those even social norms is based around what you're filling your internal man yes. with, right? Yep, yep. How do you, uh, you know, we talk about spirit, soul, and body, and I think that there's a lot in our world, um, you know, people, obviously the body is very visual, so people pay attention to that. People, we come from a a society that's been founded on religion, so I think spirituality, people are even curious about that. I do think that the soul is somewhat of this mysterious thing for a lot of people because we don't know how to explain it or contextualize it. Um. For, for for you and like your conversations with people, how how do you bring attention to that? Or because we're made, whether anyone realizes it or not, we're made in God's image. Mm-hmm. He created us as a living spirit. There's something very natural for people to want to find something spiritual. Mm. It's just you're created in God's image, and it's it's if that's your creator, it's kind of instinctive within you to try and go back to I'm going to call it a weird word, the mothership. Yeah, and I don't mean that no, disrespectfully, yeah. Yeah. but you know there is something like you know one of those homing pigeons know how to go back. Why it's instinctive mm-hmm. when you're created in God's image and you do or do not know it. There's something within you that has that desire to figure that out. You mm-hmm. may not realize what it mm-hmm. is, but it's there. Then you look at the physical body and you think, okay, my hair's too short. Okay, right. you know, my this, my that, I this, I that. And right. you can physically see it. Right, it's And it's visual. Yeah. So you know instinctively that there's this spiritual side and you know visually you can't miss it. Right. It's, it's right there in front of your yeah. eyeballs. The soul realm's the tricky part. Yeah. And Oral used to say something interesting. We're a triune being threefold and everything like that. Right. right. Body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. He said, think of it this way. If Father God created us in his image, that spiritual side is there. But we don't live up in heaven right now. Right. Nor does God physically come to the earth where we can say, hi, God, how's it going? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So we know that spiritual aspect is there. We know the physical aspect is there. The soul is the connector. Mm. It's the middleman. So connects the body and the spirit. Yes. So when people say you're saved in your soul, you have to change your mind before it changes your heart. Mm -hmm. You have to change your will before it changes your heart. You have to change your emotions before you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So when you know you have that spiritual side that's just kind of hanging over there because that's how you were made, and you know you have the physical side. How do you join the spiritual side that God created us with mm-hmm. with the physical side that we already know about? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the soul, that middle man, that middle connector. Because whatever things are good and pure and lovely and of a good report, think on these things. He right. wants us to use our brain. Yeah. He wants us to connect our will. He wants us to know that we can have the mind of Christ. But here's the tricky part. Draw me, get a little pencil and paper out and draw mm-hmm. me a picture of your mind. Mm. You can draw your brain, right. 
but you can't draw you your can't mind. You can't draw your mind. Draw me a picture of your will. Hmm. You might be able to draw me a picture of you having a temper tantrum, right. <laughs> but you can't draw me a picture of your will. Yeah. You may be able to draw me a picture of someone who is acting out in an emotional way, yeah. but you can't draw me a picture of your emotions. So that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. That's where we go back to the Bible. Okay. And he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. So if I stop Psalm 103, 1 through 5, and I say, I bless you, Lord, with my mind. Mm. I might not know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I bless you with my mind. <laughs> I bless you, Lord, with my, me- yeah. my will. And it may be totally out of control right, right now, but I bless you. I hand my will over to you. And I bless you with it. I just use what I call spiritual lip service. Just begin to say, I bless you, Lord, with my will. And Lord, may you line my emotions up with your word. Hmm. In my flesh, I'm thinking, what did I just say? But if you will do that by faith, and it says in all that is within me, not my hands and my feet and my toes, but all that's within me, my inner man, bless your holy name. Then he said he forgives your iniquities, your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. It's getting cool now. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's not going to pop a crown on your head. (laughs) He's talking about a revelation from his word. And he satisfies your mouth with such good things that your youth is renewed like eagles. He's working on your inner man. If you will connect to God and you will see that your physical body can be connected in the middle Mm. and you'll give him your soul. Mm. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, but I give it so to you. So it's more of an, an act of surrender than yep. it is understanding. And an act of faith. Yeah. It's true. So, you get to be 63-year-old <laughs> female, and your emotions <laughs> are not going to make a lick of sense <laughs> in the wind. You're going to think some of the <laughs> dumbest things. Your mind's going to run away with you. Yeah. And you're going to feel like, you know what, this morning, I was a total crazy person. <laughs> but... That's the part when you have to really trust God. Yeah. I can tell you if I have five fingers and I can tell you what my hand's doing right now. Right. That's not hard. I don't need faith for that. Yeah. But when my mind, my will, and my emotions are something that I can't tag- tangibly put in a box, yeah. you have to trust So God. when I talk to Richard about this, I'd be like, how do you just do that? He's like, I just, I just do it. You know, like uh, he, There's not like this great sense of having to understand or having to figure it all mm-hmm. out. And I feel like that's the same comment that at some point you have to let go of your need to know that's everything, trust. right? Right. The, the trust aspect. For personality types who are hardwired, right? Like it, yeah. So it's like, like me. yeah, like it, you're biologically hardwired. Like it, your operating system mm-hmm. is, I need to figure this out. How, how do you do that? I can always tell when I am being logical and practical and analytical, and it doesn't make sense, and it's not working. Hmm. And I physically, out of my own mouth, I use these words, may not make sense, but I use these words, down flesh. Hmm. I have to physically tell my flesh, this is not your business. Right. And then I have to say, spirit of the living God, take over this situation and water my mind with the word, Hmm. water my emotions, water my spirit, water my soul. And I have to physically make an act of my will, make a choice to say, Lindsay, don't be Lindsay here. Hmm. Lindsay, this is not your deal here. This is something God has to intervene. And if God's going to take, like if if you're driving, if you want to give God the wheel and let him drive, you better let go. Because if he's pulling to the right and you're pulling to the left, you're going to crash. So when you relinquish that control, coming from a control freak. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> when you really do relinquish the control, it takes so much faith to turn the handle of that control over to God mm. that you better trust him. Mm. or it will end badly. Mm. So I have to know, Father God, you're more capable than me. Father God, you're bigger than I am. Father God, you're way smarter than I am. As an act of my will and as an act of my faith, I let it go. But you guide that verbally. I do it with my mouth. So so you say something, Mm -hmm. and that's what helps you separate. Remember in Genesis 1 how God created the world? Mm -hmm. He spoke it. Right. And then he told us to do the same. Yeah. Spoken words, the Ruach, wind of God. It's mm-hmm. a creative, life-giving power of God. So there is a creative, life-giving power to our words. If you don't believe that, say something really ugly to somebody and see their whole countenance change. All right. Say something really sweet to somebody, see their whole countenance change. Yeah. There's power in our words. Yeah. Then Jesus jumps over into Mark 11 and he says, have faith in God. Say to the mountain, speak to this. Say, speak, speak, say. Yeah. Our words carry so much power. We probably don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Talk to a little tiny puppy and get ugly to that dog and watch that dog start to cower. Mm. We have such power in our words that if we use them wow. poorly, badly, we'll see the results. But if we can take those creative life-giving power of God, wind of God, ruach wind of God from our own mouth out of the abundance of the heart, yeah. the mouth speaks, death and life are in the, not the tongue. They're in the power of the tongue. There's yeah. power there. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. If I want to eat the fruit of God's decision, I speak it out. I say, self, down flesh. Yeah. God, have your way. Mm. And that works for me. Yeah. Not perfectly, right. but it does but work. But it helps you break mm-hmm. the cycle of, of yep. your, your wiring telling you you mm-hmm. have to know yep. how this works or, un- or understand it all. Yeah. Do you find, are you the kind of person that tries to figure yourself out as much as you try to figure out other things? I try to figure everything out and everybody yeah. out. Yeah. And usually it's none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, hmm. we can say it is the way I'm wired and people say, oh, well, that's no excuse. No, truthfully, yeah. people are really bent yes, your and wired. Yeah. In, you know, they, they have different mechanisms of how to learn. Yeah. You know, some are visual learners, some are hands-on learners, some are, you know, kinesthetic learners, some are this and that. So we are wired differently. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are not robotically made. Right. And so as a result of it, I know that's how I'm wired. Yeah. And I also know how it can get me into trouble. Yeah. And that's when I have to say, Holy Spirit, you got to take over here because I am in the flesh and it's not working. Does it ever, does, does having that trait ever cause you to shut down being so internal? Mm-hmm. All yeah. the t- I shut down a lot. So how do you break out of that? Because there's a lot of people that can relate, relate to that, you know, like the breaking out of the self-analyzation, the, mm-hmm. the life, anal- you analyze politics, you analyze people. He is you laughing. Analyze- My husband is sitting over <laughs> there flat He's- out <laughs> giggling. <laughs> Well, the greatest help is to have a husband with a hand that goes yeah. like this and says, down flesh, yeah, tells tell the truth. <laughs> I'm over here with the microphone. Yeah. I don't have to do that. No. <laughs> truth is, yes, I will sit up at 2 o'clock in the morning rehearsing everything I did right, everything I did wrong, right. how I can correct it. I was the kid in school that if I got a 98... I went home and cried because I could have had 100. Yeah. What did I do wrong? But that's so many people. That's mm-hmm. not. I mean, that's not abnormal. I had to learn something really, really bad the hard way. Mm. I had to get a hold of a scripture that said God requires excellence, Mm -hmm. but not perfection. Mm. Perfection is not 
excellence. Yeah. David had an excellent mm. spirit, but he was not perfect. Right. Perfection will cause you to do one thing and one thing only. Mm. Go home at night, rehearse your faults, yeah. rehearse your mistakes, and beat yourself up all night long. Yeah. That's not God. Mm-mm. That's not Jesus. That's not the Bible. Yeah. That is my personality. So I had to say, Lord, this isn't you. This is my flesh. Yeah. How do I fix it? And I discovered excellence. You can work hard at something. You can do something good and do it unto the Lord. Yeah. But perfection, that is unto yourself. Mm. I could have done better. I should have had a hundred. I could have studied more. What did I do wrong? And that was a gospel of all about me. Mm. And when the Lord showed me that, it's not that there's anything wrong with a hundred. I like hundreds. Yeah, don't we all? But there's no, But if all I was striving for was perfection to be perfect, I was completely missing God. Mm. God wants me to be excellent. Try to do the best I can do with the equipment that I've been given. If I fail, repent and try and ask God to show me a better way to get up and do it again. Yeah. Not be so hard on myself. Realize I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but I am not perfection yeah. in this earth. Yeah. And when you realize it's not so much about me anymore, yeah. it became a whole lot easier mm. and I became a whole lot freer. Mm. And now when I get a 94, so what? Yeah. You know, I used to think that the world was going to end. You know, I got up the next morning with my 99, <laughs> and the world was still, still there. Kept going, yeah. So I had to learn all about me was different than all about God. And I was not proving my worth by my 99. Yeah. That was all about, that was pride. Right. And I had to get off of that and say, God, I'll do it to the most excellent way I can. Yeah. And I'll do it about you, not about me. So those things are no doubt works in progress. And it's like anything. You you have moments of illumination. You're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. But then the next thought storm is coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to, you know, get it again. And how do you, like, close this chasm between God says, the Bible says, he showed me, I see it now, and then the reality of the internal war that can make you feel like a crazy person at times. You remember the scripture he talks about, he gives his beloved sleep? Mm -hmm. He talks in the Bible and uses words like peaceful sleep, healthy sleep, happy sleep, restful sleep. He uses words like that in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I know this, that when we go to sleep and spend those eight hours, which I happen to have used to thought that that was kind of a waste of time. Yeah. So Sleep. Sleep. I didn't. I kind of was like when I was younger, didn't believe in it because I thought, man, I can get so much more right, done. Right. But that's flesh again. Hmm. So if he gave his beloved sleep for the purpose of healing hmm. and restoring, then what happens when you get up in the morning? Hmm. This is the cool thing. He said his mercies are new hmm. every morning. Yeah. So if I go to bed at night and I trust that while I'm obeying the Bible, where he wants me to have sleep. Yeah. In order to heal mm. my mind, my will, my emotions, my physical body, my thoughts, whatever. If I will relinquish my control mm. and say, when I close my eyes, Lord, I'm really trusting you. Yeah. And trusting that as I sleep, you can handle the world and it will still be spinning. Yeah. And when I get up in the morning, I have to know that his mercies are brand new. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have spent all those hours thinking I could have been more productive about me right. for eight hours. And I'm disobedient. He said sleep. 
Right. And part of sleep is trust. Trust that when you go to sleep and you restore and refresh and renew your physical body and your mind and your will and your emotions and even your spirit. I think sometimes God talks to me the most when I'm asleep because mm. my mouth is shut. Yeah. And then I get up in the morning and I can have that mercy. Yeah. All over. Refreshed, so clarity. Whatever happens yeah. through the day, I've already declared, Lord, you promised your mercy's new. It's funny too, though, because you see how much, how difficult that principle, just right there, yeah. sleep, rest, mm -hmm. is hard and difficult in our society. Yeah. I mean, people struggle with insomnia and things like that, anxiety mm -hmm. that keep them restless and yeah. more restless than ever. Yeah. You know? The word is he gives, huh. not me. Yeah. He, Father God, gives his beloved sleep. Mm -hmm. If he didn't want me to sleep, he wouldn't have given me sleep. Right. Like I said, you know, if you've been married for 40 years and you think that one third of that time is spent sleeping, in my natural mind, I think I could have done a whole lot more with that 12 extra years yeah, yeah, of sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And when you think about somebody, if they're, if they're like, you know, if, if they're eight, 10 years old, you think you've been, I've been asleep your whole life. Yeah. At my age, I've been asleep <laughs> yeah. like twice yeah, your yeah, life. Yeah, right. And you think that's not productive. But I do believe not only while we sleep, are we being refreshed? I think he's talking to our There's spirit. There's things happening. I think because our There's eyes are closed. There's things that are going on, things going on beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And he's refreshing me while I'm still. So while you're still, what do you get to hear? That still, right. small voice. And that's probably why, you know, even a lot of the stuff that you talk about, about directing your physical body with your tongue, with what you speak and mm -hmm. the words, to be able to eat. Because the, the whole thing in our society right now is people can't sleep because they're so anxious and so oh. tied up in knots and so intellectually overstimulated yep. or all these kinds of things that they can't even find rest. Um, the importance then of that soul care, right? Yeah. That soul thing to be able to even sleep. Because sometimes it's hard when you're going through crap, when the <laughs> going through it things is. in your life, and you're like, how am I supposed to sleep when I my mind is going a million miles an hour? And, and when you're the kind of person your mind really does go a million miles an hour, I used to say, if I could flip this switch off, I'd have done it long ago, mm. and I couldn't. And I always thought, oh, well, God just made me this wound up. No, he didn't. No, he wants See, but that's what I want to talk about. So if, if you, you saying that, that's what I want to mm -hmm. get into, though, because like, okay. how do you deal with that? Like that, if I could turn this off, I would have turned it off a long time ago, but yet you go to sleep. So, <laughs> you know, like you're saying, go to I sleep. I didn't do that. So I did how a terrible you? job at it. I'd walk the floor. I'd turn on the lights. I'd wake up everybody in the house because if I'm up, you're going to be up with me. Or I'd get a pen so and this paper is your and journey. I'd write a book. So this is your it's journey. This journey. is important for people yeah. to hear, though, because it's yeah. easy to, once you've... Anytime you slay a giant, you can look and say, yeah. look look at the giant that I conquered. But when you're in the midst of, of going up against one, you feel like you're the only one that's ever gone up against the giant. You threw in the word anxiety, and that is kind of like a, a huge, huge word that if you survey what, you know, what's going on in your life, anxiety is going to be like, boom, right up at right. the top. So if he said be anxious mm -hmm. for nothing... I was reading that one time and I was so filled with anxiety and worry and fear and frustration and how am I going to fix this and blah, 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 right? right? And he said, you know, be anxious for nothing. And me in my honestness, yeah. that might not be what he thought I was saying, mm -hmm. but in my honestness, I said, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, right. 
course it's easy for him to say. He's God. (laughs) His son is Jesus. It is easy for you to say, I'm sitting here in the flesh and I'm worried and I'm frustrated and I have anxious and I'm, I'm worried about this and I'm fearful for this kid and I'm blah, 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 you know, and, and he's like, ah, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. Easy for you to say, thanks a lot, pal. But the truth is I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ. Mm. So what I have to do is attach myself to his peace attach myself to his rest, attach myself to be anxious for nothing. So how do you do that when you're up pacing the floor and you're worried about everything and you can't, and you're in the heat of the moment? To me, the absolute positive only way to do it is use your mouth in prayer and say, Father God, I am messing this thing up big time. Mm. This is not your will. This is not your way. And I am not doing what's pleasing you. Mm -hmm. And in the name of Jesus... I ask you for divine intervention. If I felt like I could do it, then I could do all things through Lindsay, who gives me strength. Cool, I'm so great. But I didn't, and I know that, and I know that in my own flesh, I have to relinquish it to I can do all things attached to Christ, and he'll give me the strength to do it. That surrender, Mm -hmm. leaning on something bigger than yourself. My biggest thing was I couldn't forgive certain people. Yeah. And, you know, you walk in, oh, you walk in love. Yeah. No, no, I really want to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness and slap you in the head. And if you get close enough, I'll show you. Yeah. And that's really yeah. truth. And yeah. so that's reality to yeah. people. That was reality to oh, me. Yeah. And so one day God said, do you think that's pleasing to him? And I said, no, yeah. but I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, I was honest. He wants me to be honest. So I'm like, yeah. absolutely, positively, yeah. no. Yeah. Do I care? I yeah. sort of care, but no. But kind of don't at the but same time. But kind of don't. So, <laughs> you know, so true. it was the truth. And he said, can you forgive this person? And I thought about it, and I was being honest. And I said, no. Yeah. He said, do you think I can forgive them? I said, sure. Yeah. And he said, could you forgive them through Christ, mm. attached to Christ, mm. who will give you the strength to do it? I said, can I? Sure. Will I? No. It's <laughs> 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 my choice. <laughs> And then he showed me, yeah, you choose this day whom you'll serve. And if you're going to continue making these choices, you're also going to get the consequences. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, will you give me a day to think about it? And I wasn't being disrespectful, but it was so painful to me and it was so honest to me and it was so authentic to me that I had to get to a place. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to hand it and take it back. Before I actually really turn it over to Christ, I got to think about it. Mm. Because once I turn it over and I let go, it is gone. I will not take it back. I will not pick it up. It's not mine. So I had to think about it and say, am I really displeasing God or is this one I can get away with? Yeah. I was really displeasing God. Mm. In fact, then he told me something that was really super ugly. He said, you're not just displeasing me. You're sinning. Hmm. Well, that wasn't fair. So I felt like, okay, the wages of sin is death. Yeah. I did not. I cannot go into every room in the house and be spiritual, and go outside and run into this guy at Office Depot and have the feelings I'm having. I have to deal yeah. with this. Yeah. So I said, I can do all things through Christ. Yeah. Who gives me the strength? So I said, Christ, in you, I give it to you. Now give me the strength to, to support right. this. And he did. Yeah. Now I run into that person all the time. Couldn't care less. That's fine. Yeah. And I've been such... nice to them even. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Big step for me. I mean, it really was. I went from but, I want to hurt you yeah. to I really can have a conversation with you and it's cool. And not want to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and even be nice. Yeah. I mean, I was like civil and, and we actually had good conversation. It's funny though, because it is such a journey. And I yeah. feel like that's what you have to be committed to even even more than, because we just want it now. You know what I mean? And we, that we, journey took me 10 years. Yeah. 
but you want you want to be over it now. You want to, mm-hmm. and, and there, I, I mean, I feel like there is there's such a journey of yeah. surrender and trust, and then. I truly thought it was their journey, and if they would just say they were sorry, I would mm-hmm. be really sweet and forgive them, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't say they were sorry. So I used that excuse that it was their problem and yeah. their journey, and that's a key in Christianity and humanity and secular humanism and everything. We want to make it somebody else's fault. Right, right. I had to own it. And if we ever get honest with ourselves and own it... Mm then we can give it to God and be free from it. Right. And owning it even if it isn't your fault, right? I mean, is there a is It there wasn't a lot? this this particular so, I can tell you things that were my fault, so, yeah. but this one wasn't. But is that those that's why it's hard to own, right? Yeah. Because you feel you're you've been victimized, yeah. you've been done wrong. Yeah. And you can pet that and it feels so good. Yeah. And then it makes you feel better about yourself and it makes you feel better about the circumstance. And then you make all kinds of excuses about somebody done somebody wrong song. And, and you know, it plays way better in yeah. conversation with your friends of how you're the, the you know, you were done yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get sympathy and sympathy feels so good sometimes. <laughs> but it didn't make me obey the Bible. And yeah. God said, whether they change or not, I'm requiring you to obey as an act of your giving. Hmm. Forgiveness is you giving first and saying as an act of obedience, not because you're kind. God told me the act that they did was despicable. Hmm. I had to go look that one up. But he said, that doesn't change you. He said, their act will continue to be despicable. But he said, you have to do what you have to do. And he said, if you'll forgive, it won't change despicable, but he said, it'll change you. Yeah. Because, and what's, I think what's difficult about that too, with unforgiveness or mm-hmm. holding grudges or allowing yourself to allow your victimization to become your identity is you, you carry a burden that you aren't aware that you're carrying. You, yeah. you don't realize how much that weighs. Oh my goodness. It, one, when someone else is really kind back. And mm-hmm. when you forgive, they forgive and it's sweet. You're not caring a whole lot. But mm-hmm. when you have made an attempt to forgive and they're a jerk, yeah. You just want to be a bigger jerk. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. human nature. <laughs> no, it is. And so I had to realize that forgiveness is not human nature. Mm. It just isn't. It's not instinct. No. There's nothing about my this is me. Yeah. There's nothing about my human nature that has forgiveness embedded into my coded DNA. Because we want to be right? I want to be right. I want to have everybody like me. I want yeah. people to be nice to me. Yeah. If I'm nice to you, you know, kind should be get kind. Right. And, you know, given it shall be given unto you. I was nice to you. Why aren't you nice back yeah. to me? And it, people can just be jerks. Yeah. Why? Because they're jerks. Yeah. But that doesn't change the word of God. Yeah. So it's not human. Yeah. It has to be divine. Mm. And I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, to be able to separate and, mm-hmm. and still be able to move. Truthfully, that's when I got into the worst anxiety, when I got into the worst fear. I opened the door. Yeah. You know, oh, hello, I'm unforgiving and I'm bitter. What I'm really <laughs> saying is I'm opening the door to anything else you want to yeah. drop in my lap, Satan. Yeah. And he yeah. dropped anxiety and fear and worry and all yeah. that other stuff. And I opened the door and I said, come on in, we'll have a chat. Right. The moment I closed the door to unforgiveness, the fear, the anxiety, and all the other stuff had to go right out the door Mm. with it. I shut the door. 
And it really was freeing where I thought it was going to be stupid. It was very freeing. So when we talk about the soul thing, like we talk, I find in, in church, it's so easy, especially within the context of church and religion, for things mm-hmm. to become rhetoric. We know mm-hmm. that we are a triune being and we have a spirit, and we have a soul and we have a body and our souls, our mind, and our will and our emotions. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how sometimes it can be difficult to understand those because you can't see those. Breaking it down, how do you define mind? How You're, are you defining that? My yeah. mind is the thought processing that reacts and responds to what I put in through my eyes, through my ears, mm. through my heart, through my mouth, what someone mm-hmm. says to me, and my mind is how I process it. Mm. Your brain is how you think. Right. But my mind processes the input. It okay, processes so the information. So mind is what processes input. Mm-hmm. Okay. What uh, will? My will is that hard, mm-hmm. harsh, decision-making process that makes choices that I will have to live with. Mm. When I do the same thing based on what I have input, if I hear something ugly, I have to choose this day if I'm going to be mm. ugly So back. it's your decision-maker. It's a decision-maker. Mm-hmm. And the same way, you know, with every fiber of your emotions, how am I going to react like that? If I make an instant reaction in the flesh, it could be good or bad. But my decision-making process always has to be filtered through mm-hmm. what does God think about this? So then emotions, is that strictly feelings? Well, in the natural course, it's strictly feelings. Yeah. Strictly, strictly, strictly feelings. Yeah. Now, if my feelings are in line with my bad attitude, right. it's going to get ugly. Right. If my feelings are in line with the Word of God, then it's going to be okay. Yeah. Everything has to follow the path and the pattern of what does God say about right. this? Because if that's why you're saying, because if one is out of whack, they're if, all out yeah, of whack, right? So if yeah, exactly. If so one's if, out of whack, I promise you, if I'm thinking messed up, if I'm thinking something uh, contrary to the Word of God, my will and my emotions are going to run right after. Right, because if your emotions are un, out of whack, you may misinterpret the input, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How someone treats you, yep. how somebody does. If your yep. emotions are not where they need to be. You may misinterpret someone's yep. behaviors yep. or how someone is. Which I have a tendency you. to do. Uh-huh. I want everybody to like me, and if they have this scowl on their face, mm-hmm. it may just because they scowl. Yeah. Maybe because they had Botox <laughs> and their eyes won't move. I mean, how do we know? So I interpret it wrong. Yeah, right. I have to filtrate that through. What does God really think? What's the real truth rather than, Lindsay, you're really yeah. stupid? <laughs> you have Too much to. Botox. Sometimes that's all it is. Yeah, it very well could be. Very well I've could never be. done it, but yeah. hey. <laughs> If that's what happens and I have no expression, you'll know oh, I love you still, but I had a little bow tie. Oh, I haven't, but hey, What are your thoughts on plastic surgery? Do whatever you feel like <laughs> doing. <laughs> you know? either, either way, right? I mean, you're going to... I've never had it except, I'll tell you Would this. Would you? I, if, yes and no. <laughs> when I was younger, absolutely. Uh-huh. I've had some surgeries. I had cancer uh-huh. two years yeah. ago. And so I had a surgery that saved my life. And because I thank God for it and all of the emotional process Mm -hmm. that went along with it, there was so much about it that was so important to me to live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. You know, God's healed me supernaturally. God healed me through medicine and prayer. I'm cool with that. Yeah. If somebody wants to have plastic surgery and it makes them feel better and they run it through the hopper of what does God think, Mm -hmm. have at it. Mm -hmm. I can't make that decision. If I hadn't had... A couple of surgeries to live, 
Mm-hmm. I probably would have, you know, slapped on everything and said, hey, whatever works. I'm more of the kind of person that's a whole lot more Do you look at people natural. and be like, oh, that's too far? Never. <laughs> you never have? Never. You've never looked at somebody and thought that they had too much never. plastic surgery? I don't. I, this is so weird. I probably should be more judgy. <laughs> I should be, but you ever I'm look that, at somebody and thought you need a little plastic no, surgery? No, <laughs> I say, and that's it. I'm flaky. You, I'm flaky. What do you mean you're flaky? Because if I see somebody, my first thought is maybe I should pray for you. Really? Or I, yeah. You're just that compassionate. Like, no, I'm that flaky. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't think of what what I would call like. It's what do you weird. mean flaky? Okay, so like a lot of people put a lot of importance on, you know, what they look like. And right. I think that's excellent. I'm not against that. Yeah. But I kind of live in a flaky planet. I do. I what that is stuff's flake? not Defi- define flaky. What not do you mean? Normal. <laughs> If they want to do it, oh. I'll pray for you. If you don't want to, I'll pray for you. It this whole superficial world stuff yeah. doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> and if people say, Lindsay, get Botox, okay. Lindsay, don't get Botox. Okay. I mean, I just honestly I wish I could care more, but yeah. I don't. And it's yeah. not like I and, and truthfully, I don't judge people on that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not nice to your children, yeah, that might you'll... be a different story. Uh-huh. If you treat my husband bad, Cut and run, honey, because you're going to see a side of me. What do you think about tattoos? Well, like, hasn't that changed in the church world? Like, that that used used to be, you know, it used to be scripturally, you know, about tattoos that you're not supposed to cut and you're not supposed to burn Mm -hmm. and do this to your flesh. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a tattoo person. Mm Um, but you never, you don't have like a secret tattoo, like on not the back of your a shoulder. Secret or tattoo. No, here's the thing. No, seriously, if I had a tattoo, no, listen, man, it would, it would be, be a butterfly. It would, no, it no. would, be, it would be right where everybody can comment about it. Cause I'm that kind of upfront person. You want it to be visual. Yeah. If you're going to talk about it, you know, I've been talked about, about stuff I never did. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. talk about you me, would, you boom, right up front, it. you're going to, we're going to have at it on reality. You know, I mean, really, yeah. if I'm going to get blamed for something, Mm-hmm. I'm going to have done it. Yeah. If I'm going to get criticized for something, I'm going to have done it. Yeah. If you're going to criticize me over something I never did, we're going to have a chat. You know, so I'm not. So that's you wouldn't me. get a tattoo? I think I'm, you and Richard should get like the same tattoo. I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> <laughs> it's way, it's way more, it's way more. Um, I'm allergic to pain. It's, it's I'm way gonna... more superficial than you Sorry, think. Sorry, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> And there's this little fear uh, that, you know, if it gets infected and then I have to have more pain. <laughs> that's where your now, mind goes. You yeah, think, yeah, like, what if, I place. Have, what if I lose but, my you know, arm because it gets me, infected? Yeah, but if you give me, like, um, like a Sharpie marker, mm-hmm. I'll let then you put a, a butterfly on my hand. Well, that was uh, tattoos yeah. even for women for makeup. Like, yeah. that was a big thing for a while. I like, never did tattoo on my eyes or anything for makeup, and it's a big thing. You know, it's really strange. Would that count as a tattoo for you, or do you think that's not a real tattoo? I would say that it really doesn't matter, <laughs> because here's the thing. You know how everybody criticized makeup? Yeah. Listen to me. If you saw me without makeup, you would be sore afraid. My father-in-law used to say any old barn uses a good coat of paint. 
So I am not against makeup. You know, there is, it's the truth. Oh there there was gosh. a lot of people that went to the scripture and thought that that's haughty and prideful. Yeah. Me without makeup is not haughty and prideful. It is frightening. So I'm not being haughty and prideful. I am sparing you all by at least being civilized oh to walk in the gosh. room. But would I criticize somebody who has a tattoo? I probably would not get one. Mm-hmm. Um, but would I criticize? That's not my place. <laughs> It's just not. But you don't even really think about it. No. Do you ever look at people and be like, oh, that's nope. kind of cool? No. You don't even what? think it's cool? Okay. No. <laughs> I don't think. I. But if it's, I will say if it's. Do you think anybody's a, cool? Like, do you ever look at, that's a cool every, person? I or are you just everybody's like. everybody's cool. I'm Mr. Magoo in a female here, here, body. Here. I'm not kidding. No. I am oblivious to most things That's that a are good important. thing though, right? Well, I don't know. It's important. I think it gives yeah. you a sense of like neutralizing humanity where you, I don't know. Do you remember, you're not old enough, but I am. Okay. When people started wearing blue jeans to church. Oh, I've heard all the stories of that. Like just the, yeah. Because you weren't allowed, back in the day. You were not allowed to wear pants and you certainly wouldn't wear blue jeans. But here's my thought. This is, this may be harsh, but I'm going to get real harsh. Yeah, get harsh. How dare you criticize a kid for coming to church in blue jeans? They're in church. Yeah. They're hungry. They're looking for something. Why don't you judge their heart and not their britches? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I, I tell you my worst story of the one of the dumbest things I did, but I had no idea. My uh-huh. son had just died. I buried my son. About a week and a half later, uh, he was already in Nigeria. I flew to Nigeria. I went to Senegal, then the Ivory Coast, and then I went to Nigeria. I had got asked by Dr. Bensonita Hosa, probably the most you know well-known guy for ministry in all of Africa, mm-hmm. and his church was in Lagos, Nigeria, and he asked me to come, in, and he wanted to minister to me, love on me, and he asked me to preach. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, I'd been through the most traumatic thing I had ever been through in my life. And and Richard was already here, so I jump on an airplane. I got shots, you know, your immunizations. Right. I realized when I got there, they quarantined me with a bunch of criminals because my shots were not good. And so I remembered they'd say, you know, well, you might have to tell them this and you might have to do this. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. But they really weren't. Mm. I was a day short on the immunization of my shots. So I had to stay in quarantine. Really? I was freaking out. Wow. I was by myself. And you're just by yourself. Nobody by else is With myself. Had, had a baby a week earlier. Baby died. I'm having all kinds of issues, emotionally, physically, everything. And I got asked to go preach. And I used to paint my fingernails red. I never used red nail polish in my life. I always, you know, I didn't grow fingernails, nothing. I didn't care. Yeah. But my husband liked red fingernails. So like grab that red fingernail polish, slap that stuff on and away we go. And I didn't know when I got to the church that you weren't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. I was pairing, wearing a pair of, Oh God, help me and forgive me. I was wearing a pair of pants. And red fingernails. What I didn't know was like the prostitutes did that. Really? And I didn't know that because it's cultural. Yeah, it's completely different. And so I walk into the church and I got ready to preach and everybody's like (gasps) ooing and eyeing and walking out. And you have your pants and red nails on. Yes. And Bensonita Hosa got up and he stopped everybody. He said, oh, no, 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 hold on. He said, she's going to preach to you from her heart, Hmm. not her pants and her fingernails. And everybody went silent and sat down. What were you thinking, though, at that point? It was the best lesson I ever learned. Yeah. Not to judge, 
not to criticize, wow. not even to be cultural. Try and be proper. I was, right, right, I didn't right. mean it. But at the be same sensitive. point, listen to me from my heart. Yeah. And if you listen to me from my heart, my stupidity of red nails and pants don't mean anything. My heart for God does. And I think if we will do what God does, he said he judges the heart. Yeah. With the heart man believes. I'd rather talk to you about your heart than your tattoos. And if your tattoos make you happy, then praise the Lord. And do I think you'll get into heaven with a tattoo? You'll probably get into heaven faster with your tattoos than some jerk who mm -hmm. is so pious and so holier than thou yeah. that they criticize you and send you to hell yeah. when our job is to send you to heaven. Right. So I sincerely love you, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't. Where do, you, where do you think that we pick up those things that don't culture. matter? Yeah. I think it's culture. But then it's so hard to, to, to drop, too, or yeah. to grow with, because I don't know it needs to be dropped. You know dropped. what? If God doesn't want us to have tattoos, may he speak to everybody that has tattoos. And if they listen, great. And if they don't listen, great. And if that's what he's worried about, let's listen. And if he couldn't care less, let's listen to that. You know, I think we have to, first of all, a lot of things in the Bible were culturally driven. Mm -hmm. A lot of things, even like certain meat that you ate, was culturally driven. No refrigeration. It could have bacteria, this, at that. There was a lot of things about women not preaching in the Bible during a time when there was persecution and people were being martyred and killed for preaching yeah. and God was protecting the women. Mm. There's a lot of things in the Bible that if you go back to the history of it, yeah. it makes a whole lot more sense then. then. And if we study that now, it will mean more. But do I think that you can or can't preach with a tattoo? I couldn't care less. But it's it's funny because it goes even within church culture and mm -hmm. I think uh, American society, even just I mean the the conversation of dress and style and church building and what should it look like, how many crosses should there be, what color should the carpet be. Let me tell you what used to happen to my kids. You know all my kids. Oh, yeah. And what used to happen to my kids when we go to church. They raised their hands too high. They didn't raise their hands high enough. Mm -hmm. They put in too many bows in their hair. They should have had mo more bows in their hair. They should have worn a prettier dress. Their dress wasn't pretty enough. Their dress was too pretty. Yeah. And if you listen to that, you'll go crazy, start raving <laughs> mad. When I was pregnant, yeah. I got on television. A lady sent me this, um, or it was like a peach color dress. Well, you know, when you gain 7,000 pounds and you're on national television, mm -hmm. and, and I actually went into labor on the air Are you on serious? television, yes, with Olivia. And oh I had gosh. 45 minutes left to go heaving on live television <laughs> in labor. And my husband was so observant, he just kept talking, not realizing <laughs> that I am doubled over in pain and about on to television. put out a kid. Oh my God. And it was something that was extremely. Odd. Well, in the process, I wanted to look nice. And so this lady sent me this peach colored dress. And the phone started ringing off the wall. Half of the call said, don't you ever wear peach on television again. It's uglier than anything. And the other half said, that's the prettiest color I've ever seen. So I listened. if I listened to one hand, I'd only be wearing peach. And if I listened to the other hand, I'd be naked. <laughs> so what do you do? you got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Shall the traditions of man make the word of God to no effect? And I have one question for every tattooed or not tattooed person. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. What's in your heart? If you love Jesus and you have a heart for God, that's really none of my business, anything else. Do you wear pants in church or a dress in church? If you love Jesus and you're in church, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Beyond that, you and Jesus have a conversation about it. I'm wearing flip-flops. 
belts right now. If that offends you, sorry, I'm wearing them again tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way I am, and it really is what I want to be. Oh, I came yeah. to Oral Roberts University to go to law school. I came from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Yeah. I wore board sh shorts and flip-flops, <laughs> and our school shut down when surf was up. Yeah. And I came to this school that mm -hmm. required you to wear a dress. I didn't own one. Uh-huh. And I called home and said, I'm coming home. <laughs> I will not spend my hard-earned money on something as yeah. stupid as yeah. a dress. Uh -huh. And if that defines me, I'm toast. And yeah. I had a ticket to go home. Really? And then I realized, okay, self, why don't I concentrate more on what God called me to do yeah. than what I wear? Right. And I got free. It's a lot of it too. I mean, it becomes like uh, it's more a matter of culture, right, than anything. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot, a lot of, those of it particulars, is and then we bring it into the context of. Yeah. Now, of if God says, you know, don't wear your bikini in church, it might be distracting. Yeah. Especially if I did it at sixty-three, <laughs> it might not be distracting. It might well, be jail almost, if we remove. talked about it. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, so, yeah. let's, you know, decency and order here. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, let's follow enough where we don't offend people. I don't want to be offensive. Right. But at the same time, I do want to listen to God, operate with my heart. I want to receive what God receives. If God thinks your tattoos are great, great. If God thinks they're not, great. Deal with God. Yeah. I want to deal with your heart. I want to love you. I want to pray for you. I want to lead you to Jesus. I want to pray for your healing. I hope you have a better life. And I want to I want to put you on that road. Yeah. Beyond that, I really do live in La La Land. I do. <laughs> and that's what I care about. Which is probably a good thing. Most of the time, truthfully, yeah. half the time, you know, my kids say, Mom, did you see that? No. Mom, did you hear that? No. Why? Because I've had to cocoon myself from the... Honestly, from most of the criticism has been the church. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't, if all I cared about were what the people in or out of the church said, I really would go crazy. Yeah, I have to trust what God said. I want to be respectful. I want to do it right. I really am a, I'm more of a God pleaser than a people pleaser, but I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. I certainly don't want to send them in a direction that takes them away from God. But... You know, I, I, if that's what they're looking at, may I redirect you to the Bible? Yeah. And just let's look for God. It's more, too, I think, of a cultural sen or a sensitivity to other yeah. people, right? Like yeah. being respectful, just like you would anybody. I, mean, I do. People, people even outside of your faith context, mm -hmm. because everybody's on their journey, and they may not subscribe to the same line of thought mm -hmm. as you now, and but you still want to respect where they're at in Absolutely. their life and where you know the way that they're seeing at the place that, that they're at, you yeah. know? Because um, sometimes, sometimes it's not easy. But remember the story that that God wrote, and He said, "Love the sin, er, but hate the sin. Love mm -hmm. the sinner, love the sinner. Mm -hmm. They'll know we're Christians by our love walk. Love the sinner, but hate the sin." Mm -hmm. Have we morphed in some ways of loving or hating the sinner and hating the sin both? Mm. It's easy to hate the sin. But so many times we attach the sin to the sinner mm -hmm. to where we hate the sin and hate the sinner. Mm -hmm. And you do it in the name of the Lord. Right. That's not possible because yeah. God is love. So I want to love the sinner, even if they're still in sin, mm -hmm. whatever that may be, because that's my job. Yeah. And they'll know I'm a Christian by my love walk, not by my flip-flops or your tattoos. <laughs> right. 
I really don't care. Have you found found it hard to be authentic in the line of work that you're in? When I when I the reason when I say that, you know, there's there's things that are difficult. That's what like this podcast is long form because yeah. when you can when you can go beyond a soundbite and get mm-hmm. into the context of a conversation mm-hmm. and understand a person, you see yourself in them. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of the different, I mean, it's like that in any any given industry. Um, if you're a lawyer or a doctor or yeah. whatever, there's a persona, there's a perceived um, uh, behaviors of those types of people. Mm-hmm. Church ministry is mm-hmm. like <laughs> that on crack. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so elevated. Have you and found under it a microscope. Hard? Yeah. Yeah. Has that has it been hard for you to remain feel like you're not losing yourself, losing your authenticity? Horribly hard. Horribly painful. Ridiculously unfair. Mm-hmm. Terribly mean. Yeah. Go home and cry more tears than anybody in the universe will ever know except God. Yeah. Be brokenhearted more times. Watch my children be painfully. Yeah misused and everything else and at the same time my answer to your question is no i'm Hmm. me Hmm. and how have you done that though because i would agree you are i I mean that's i feel like that's why i love you so much and why it's like when i talk about you just being authentic and real and saying saying it like it is but that's that's one of those things that's a whole lot easier 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 said than done because i believe that the gospel is not fake. Mm. I believe we're created in Christ's image. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I need to be corrected, I am all for it. But the day that I have to be fake in the pulpit is a disaster. Because then I have to be fake in the grocery store. And then I have to be fake on my cell phone. And then I have to be fake here and there. And I refuse. I will not represent the gospel fake and phony, even if I get criticized for it. Because if I tell you one thing today and then I go to a different church that only wants me to have tattoos and wear, yeah. you know, flip flops, right. then I have to lie to them. Then I go to a, a traditional church, a high church, and then I have to lie to them. Yeah. And I can't keep that up. Right. And I told God one time, I really didn't want to be in the ministry. Mm-hmm. When I started in the ministry, um, I was thrown yeah. into national television, mm-hmm. and it was live TV, and I'm not that kind of personality. Yeah. And so I agreed one time that I would sit on television with Richard, and we had a live program, and I sat there, and I smiled, and I did what I was told, and we'd go to commercial, and I had a bucket next to me, and I'd throw my guts up. Mm-hmm. And then we'd come back from the commercial, and I'd say, okay. And then because it, it was real, it made me sick. Yeah. And I discovered that God just wanted me. Mm. And if I was okay with God and God was okay with me, that was enough. Yeah. Or I would have gone nuts. But a lot of people, are, it's not as easy as that. There's a lot of people, in, especially within ministry and mm-hmm. church work and that whole thing, that, uh, and, and maybe it's not even like, like a, a fakeness as much as it is you feel the pressure of, I have to be what they want me to be now. Mm-hmm. You start out because I love people and I'm passionate about seeing people change, but then the the desire to help people then changes and I need to be what the people want. I did that from 1980 when I got married until April 23rd on 1985. Mm. 
I tried to be what everybody wanted me to be, failed mm. miserably. Mm -hmm. I tried to do everything right and realized I do a lot of things wrong. Mm. I beat myself up. I criticized myself. I, I, no matter how much I tried, I made mistakes. Yeah. It wasn't my genre. It wasn't my uh, training. It wasn't my upbringing. I did not come from a religious uh, television family. I didn't come from a bunch of preachers. I didn't come from live TV. I was a bookworm my whole life. Mm. And so I realized I'm trying here and I'm trying there. I was trying so hard. It was making me crazy. Yeah. And on April 23rd, 1985, I birthed mm. Jordan Lindsay Ann Roberts. Mm. And I knew from that moment on, she wants me to be mama. And if I can just be real to her, yeah. I don't have to care what anybody else says or doesn't do or thinks of this, because if I'm honest with her, I will raise and train a child that's honest with herself, honest with God, and can go through life without the baggage yeah. I went through life with. Yeah. And once I had three daughters, especially girls, yeah. just be yourself. Yeah. They're going to hate your guts anyway. Don't give them more food for it. <laughs> it's true. Right. The world's If you love God, the world's going to hate you. Well, either way, they hate you. They, no they, matter Not what. everybody's going to like you either no. way. So you're better off doing do, doing it being yourself and not being liked for something you believe in. Than... If there's two people in the room, chances are one could love you and one could hate your guts. <laughs> right. So it, it is what it is. So when I realized that my daughters were my responsibility, I wanted them to have a freedom, mm -hmm. a freedom to love God, love themselves, be real. Mama's not going to put on the airs. Mama's not going to go out in public and hello there and come yeah. home and, you know, throw a candlestick into the window. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. You know, we're human. Hey, if I'm in the mood to throw the candlestick, you better duck yeah. because it's going to be real. I don't know how to be fake. I don't want to be fake. And to be honest with you, it's too hard to keep up with. It's tiring. It was, has it did that make it hard to build meaningful relationships with people in the same line of... My husband said, and his, he got this from his father, if you can have five solid friends, mm -hmm. if all of your honest-to-God friends who would really be there for you could fit on one hand, mm -hmm. you'll be a happy person. Yeah. There's great acquaintances. Yeah. There's great social networking. Yeah. But people that you generally could pick up the phone and say, I need you, yeah. if you can come up with five of them, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. And fortunately, I have that. Yeah. And they're a lot like me. Yeah. You've and always so, had that or over time? Truthfully, the weird thing is like people we work with say on television. Yeah. One guy's been there 40 years. One guy's been there 30 years. One uh, A lady that was there has been there. I, we were, I met her before either one of us were married. Oh. And so it's been that. And I only have a handful. But that handful is my community. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, you know, when, when the guys were beaten and thrown in prison and then they were released and they went back to their own company. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of them. Right. But they were their authentic company that could understand, feel what they feel, know what they know, and really get them. My youngest daughter used to love Oral so much because she would always say, he gets me. Mm. And he would love her so much because he'd say, she gets me. <laughs> and there's something to that. Yeah. If you can get along with people, praise the Lord. But if you can find that one handful of people who get you, you'll be okay. You almost, do you almost have to just accept the fact that people are going to think what they want to think 
about you in the box that you fit in, in the sense of I, I think that no matter what you do, people, it's human nature to take, mm -hmm. let me take who you are and let me contextualize it and yeah. put you here. This is you. And decide what you yeah. are because I know yeah. it. Yeah, I, this, is, this is the way that you think. This is the way that you process. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you like. These are the things that you don't like. These are mm -hmm. your behaviors. These are not your behaviors. Mm -hmm. Do you almost just have to come to terms with that's just what people are going to do? Because that's the thing about even conversations like this. It can be an, if, if all people see is you in one light, mm -hmm. they're not experiencing you within the context of your, your of humanity, who, who you are, mm -hmm. you know? There's certain things that I do, but that doesn't mean that's who I am. Well, well right. But I'm like, if somebody could, for any preachers, this would be a great example. You may hear somebody preach and then you make, you can easily just make a bunch of assumptions based yep. upon what you know about preachers, right? Yeah. For the good or and for the all bad. And they're like that. Yeah. In a box. Yeah. When I was in school, I was in law school. And like I said, I married Richard in 16 weeks. So my father had given me a ring that had a little diamond in it. I'd worn it my whole life since he died and I was 12. And my, so it was like, I don't know what, 12, 13 years later. Mm -hmm. So I'm, well, 10 years later, something like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody in the cafeteria ripped the ring off my finger that I had never had off, stood on a table and said, Richard and Lindsay are engaged. What? I'm 23. Wow. I'm dumber than a post when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh -huh. I'd never experienced it in my life. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know how to react. I jumped up and grabbed the ring out of her hand. I called her a liar and said, you're crazy. <laughs> and I thought that was going to be the end of it. Yeah. Well, then they all had me. Um, we had to get married because I was pregnant was the rumor. Oh. Uh. That was the most painful thing on the planet. Wow. Because I was told at 18 I would never have kids. Really? And it took me until I was... So you were told at 18 you're not going to have kids, never. and now they're making up this rumor now, that you're getting you married because a, you're... a nicer rumor, but this was But it's already sensitive. It's your ultimate, yeah, yeah. cruel yeah. rumor. Yeah. So to tip the iceberg, when we got married, oh, they had to get married. Five years later, I still haven't had kids. Mm-hmm. Two miscarriages, a son that died, and I'm still getting the criticism that you had to get married. I couldn't get pregnant. Yeah. So it it didn't fare well with me. Mm -hmm. And it changed my personality. Really? It changed my... I, I, I became harsh. Mm -hmm. I became... Um, I thought everybody thought that in the entire civilized universe. Right. So I did what they did. They put me in a box. So guess what I did? I put them right back in yeah, the box. Right. And then I realized, you know, both of us being in a box, me in a box and the whole world in a box, we're going to suffocate and die here. Yeah. This is not going to work. Yeah. And I decided you're never going to please everybody mm. or you'll go crazy trying. Right. So I just thought, here's Lord, it's between you and me. In what ways did it change your personality? I became angry. Yeah. Not to people. Truthfully, I became angry at myself. Really? Yes, because I'm not one. Um, have you ever heard the term, I don't even know if I say it right, mealy-mouthed? You're, uh -huh, like, uh -huh. you're like, I was too shy yeah. to stand up for myself. I let people walk on me. People used to say, if you're going to be a doormat, you're going to get walked on your whole life. Mm. So I allowed it. 
by my not standing up for myself, right. not giving truth, not giving reality. All I did was go home and cry. Yeah. So I allowed the whole garbage to get bigger and bigger. The rumors got bigger and bigger. The whole junk got bigger and bigger, and I allowed it. So I would go home and get mad at myself. Mm. Why don't you stand up for yourself? This is what you should have said. Mm. This is what you should have done. So I, they had already beat me up. Yeah. Then I go home and beat myself up. For not doing something for about it. For not doing something about it. So at the end of the day, I was all beaten up. Yeah. And it took me a long time. It wasn't easy. But when my daughter was born, mm. I said, you'll never do to her what you've done to me. And so if people would start on her, I would speak up and say, um, no, you're not going to say that to her. No, you're not going to pronounce that over her. Mm. No, you're not going to put that into her spirit. Mm. And I realized I wished I'd done it sooner, but there was something rising up in me, a confidence or I don't know what you'd call it, but I was not going to let the devil walk all over me and me just think it's okay. The Spirit of God began to rise up in me, not to be mean, right. but we don't have to tolerate the devil. Right. Right. We don't have to tolerate the lies of the devil, even if it, if it comes through people. Did that part of that become, too, with, the, with having your first daughter and the responsibility of feeling yes. like... I could not let my daughter go through what I went through. Yeah. So that I, was I the defining moment. There's a April 23, yeah. 1985. It's a different responsibility. It's mm -hmm. not just you. I felt like it was okay if people beat me up. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I realized abuse is not okay. Mm -hmm. Verbal abuse, emotional abuse, I don't care what you call it, yeah. is not okay. Yeah. I used to think, well, I'm female. Well, I'm married yeah. into a quote, famous family, right. well, I'm young. Well, yeah. So I made excuses for their stupidities yeah. and their cruelness. Mm. And when my daughter was born, that day the excuses died. Wow. Devil, get thee behind me, Satan. You will never do this again. Which you, you're, I mean, you mentioned a little bit already, I guess, but you, your journey just to having your first baby girl was quite... Horrible. Quite, quite a, a journey. Mm -hmm. You weren't supposed to be able to have kids at all? The most bizarre thing was I would be praying for people and they would get pregnant and have babies. Really? I would be praying for people in the middle of miscarriages, and they would stop, and they would carry the baby full term. Really? Meanwhile, I'm in the hospital having miscarriages. Wow. And wow. I had to own that, and what it was What was that hard. like, though? Well, if it's if I can say it respectfully, yeah. hell say, on earth. Yeah. I, it was yeah. pure hell, Yeah. and I didn't know how to get over it. And the worst thing that ever happened to me was going in one of the grocery stores, and I always knew how to perfectly circumvent the baby aisle. I knew exactly how to strategically avoid the diapers, and I knew exactly how to avoid the baby food. Because and to go buy it would... Torment me. Uh. So they moved the food, and they moved the diapers, and one day I was walking in, I think it was in Albertsons, and I went in, and I took the wrong turn, and I landed at the baby food aisle with the diapers, and I sat on the floor. Wow. And I cried with everybody staring at me till I could not cry anymore. I couldn't get up. Carts were going all around me, and I didn't care. Wow. And the Lord spoke in my heart, and he said, go give baby showers. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Hmm. Go give baby showers? I can't have a baby shower. When you're sitting right there like this? I was sitting all... on the floor of Albertsons crying. Wow. And he said, and you give the biggest gift. Mm. And I'm like, okay, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But in order to get out of my mess... I had to give out of my mess. Mm. In order to get out of my mess, I had to give out of my mess. Mm. So I began to find everybody I knew that was pregnant. Do you want a baby shower? Can I give you a baby shower? Mm. 
Hmm. I'd be buying them strollers and I'd be buying them diapers and I'd be buying them. And in the middle of it all, I'd go upstairs, go into my bedroom, shut the door, go into the bathroom, shut the door and cry my guts out. It was hard. It wasn't easy. It was tormenting. Was this after you had, you had already had the mm-hmm. boy that, mm-hmm. wow. Yep. And I made a decision. I'm going to do what I'm told to do. And if God's God, he's going to honor this. Lo and behold, he did. And I have three daughters later. But I had to did make a decision. Did you ever give up? Did you ever feel like it's just not? I gave up so many times that continuing was in another planet. Huh. And I went to, to Africa. I went to Nigeria. It was the highest infant mortality rate in the entire world. Mm. I sat under a man named Benson Itahosa. Mm-hmm. I told him I will never get pregnant again and don't torment me. My doctor said, why are you torturing yourself? Just give up. Really? Your doctor mm-hmm. told you that? Yep. And when I went in one of the services with Benson Itahosa, he prayed for me. Hmm. I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you what he said. I can't tell you when he said it. I can't tell you what I felt. All I know is something inside me left yeah. and hope came in. Wow. And I went back home, and about a year later, I had Jordan. And yet you, there probably been lots of people that prayed for you up to that point. There were. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know if it was just my mindset. I don't know if I was ready to receive. I don't know if it was just God's timing. I don't have answers. Well, that's what All I'm I saying. All I know it's, is it's, God, yeah. that was my moment. It's easy. I guess what I'm saying is it's easy for people to get discouraged in the process because yeah. how many how many prophetic words can I get? And how many p- times can the pastor call me forward to pray for my infertility? And how many times can I ask for someone to you know go see a yeah. doctor? Like at some, some point, there the, is this... The yeah. saddest, greatest... The most horrible, wonderful thing happened to me is we were married in January of 1980. By July of 1980, Ken Copeland, never Mm -hmm. heard of him before in my Mm -hmm. life, certainly adore him now, but I was at a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Ken Copeland calls us up. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he was going to say. I was scared to pieces because I thought, I I mean, I literally didn't know what he was going to do. When was this in the journey? It was, I was married seven months. Okay, married seven months. So this is before any of the miscarriages? Before anything. But I'd already been told at 18. That you wouldn't be able to have children. So by then I was 24. And he said prophetically, he started saying a bunch of things. I'm like, he can't know that. Who is this guy? He doesn't know that. How does he know that? And then he said, and you will have children sooner than you think. He said, you'll birth children. You'll have children sooner than you think. So here I'm thinking, wow, next week I'll be pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. That was 1980. Hmm. My first baby that lived was my fourth pregnancy in 1985. Wow. So from 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, I had surgeries, a dead baby, miscarriages. And yet I, I, my first thought was, why did he say it? And my second thought was, thank God he said it because I held on to it. Hmm. That seed of that word of God, that prophetic seed got in me. And no matter what, everything else was happening around me, that prophetic word was in me. And I kept saying, I don't care. But Kenneth Copeland said, in the name of Jesus, though this is happening, Kenneth Copeland said, Mm. Though I feel like this, Kenneth Copeland said. Though my body is doing this, Kenneth Copeland said, because I had a word from God through a prophet. Mm. And I held on to it. It took a while. Five years is pretty hard. But April 23rd, 1985, my life changed. At, in, risking, in risking maybe sounding insensitive, what could you tell me the best of you can, what is the emotion that you feel or what is the thing that you feel 
when you are pregnant and then miscarry? I felt like I was a dead person, mm. totally dead, but still living and had to feel the pain. Wow. I felt like every fiber of my life was dead, but my body didn't get the message and I was still alive feeling it. Wow. So it was like if I was going to die, I wish my body had died, but then I didn't want to die. Yeah. Every fiber of my soul was dead, but I was still alive. So I had to feel death and still be alive. Wow. I was like, not to make a joke, yeah, no. a zombie, the walking dead. And you felt like a zombie, the walking dead. So as that happens multiple times, mm -hmm. every time that you're getting pregnant, are you dreading... Like, are you afraid that you might lose the baby? Are no, you like, I had hope every time because I had that word from God. So, and that's when I started doing the baby showers. It was so weird because doing the hardest thing was also doing the most freeing thing. Would it, would it feel like a thousand deaths, though, every time that you would? Uh -huh. Because mine was in the newspaper. Yeah. Mine was all over Christianity. Mine was when Richard Oral died, a name like Richard and Oral. Yeah. That went in the newspaper, and I never had a name. That baby never had a mother. They uh -huh. attacked Oral. They attacked Richard. I'm the mother, and my name was never mentioned. When your son, when your son died, I had a woman come up to me at his memorial service and say, "I prayed for that baby to die, and God answered wow. my prayers." Hello, I'm headed to the graveyard. Are you so, serious? Yeah, I'm serious. And you know what God said to me? <laughs> Why did you not kill her? <laughs> like Seriously? God spoke gosh. to me and said, go hug her neck. I said, sure, I'll go hug her neck, and I won't let go. Yeah. I wasn't kidding. I'll hug her neck. Yeah. Then you carry her out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not be I'm, I mean, I am emotional. Yeah. I am hormonal. Yeah. I am at my son's memorial well, and service, so. and I am not in the mood. So when she said At it, the memorial service. Yeah. And God said, go hug her neck and then ask her what's wrong with her because nobody in their right mind would say that to you. I said, okay. And so I went down and I, and, and I said to her, I want to talk to you. And she was horrible. Hmm. And I said, I just want to ask you a question. What are you hurting over so bad that you would say that to me? She burst into tears. And I said, can I ask you another question? Yes. Do you know Jesus? No. So let's forget about everything else. Forget about what you said. Forget about what I'm feeling. And forget where we are right now. Let's just talk about Jesus. And I led her to the Lord. What? Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Sometimes life is tough. And sometimes only God can walk you through it. And that explains my life but that woman will be in heaven. Yeah. When, when we were in the hospital and Richard Oral died in our arms, a nurse came in, and she was something else. And I'm packing up to go home empty-handed. And it was one, about 1 o'clock in the morning, and she said to me, what do you think about your Jesus now? I said, you know, I'm thinking she'll say, can I help you pack? Mm -hmm. I said, tell me that again. She said, what do you think about your Jesus now? I said, I think he's my only hope. Mm. And she said, I was, I was hoping you'd say that. I said, why? And she said, will you pray for me? <sighs> Sitting on my bed, 
getting ready to check out of the hospital, the maternity ward with no baby. Wow. I prayed for her. And she will be in heaven when I get there. Or maybe after me. Yeah. But I got to pray for her. Life is weird. Yeah. See, let's go back to your tattoos. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. If we would if we would stop hurting people mm-hmm. over things that God probably rolls his eyes at mm-hmm. and minister to people. I think the whole world would change. Yeah. And we have to show people the love of God. I don't care if you have tattoos. I think you know me well enough to know I really don't care. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> and if that floats somebody's boat, do it. Don't do it. That's not what I'm responsible for. Yeah. But if you're not going to heaven, we're going to have a talk. Mm. That's what I'm responsible for. And I feel that. Oral used to feel that. I would say he was the most intense person on the planet. He would literally, we would get no sleep. He'd say, get back here in the morning. It was already like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And he would say, we have a project. And I would say to him, what are you doing? And he'd say, it's life or death. Mm. And I'm like, what? Can I get some sleep? No, it's life or death. And I said, what do you mean? He said, someone's life may be at stake if we don't do this. That was his whole thought for his his whole life. That was his drive. That he was dying of tuberculosis at 17. And if George Muncy hadn't prayed for him, he would have died. And he carried that with him his whole life. Mm. And 91, when he went home to be with the Lord, that was still his driving force. Can I just get one more person saved? And it wore off. It it rubbed off on us. Yeah. How can you be under Oral Roberts and some of it not rub off on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did. I would imagine those moments, though. I mean, because it's one thing to talk about, you know, people being hateful, but then mm-hmm. to hear the stories and yeah. you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you know, things that you would say should never be uttered to another human being right. ever, you mm-hmm. know, and having to to come face to face with that and at the same time still move forward. Oral told me a story that I, honest to God, didn't understand. I love the Bible. I read the Bible. I studied the Bible, but I didn't, I don't know, I guess in some way it went over my head. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you will not suffer with me, Jesus said, you'll not reign with me. I thought, that's not nice. (laughs) And then he said, you'll know me in the fellowship Mm. of my suffering. When you're tiptoeing through the tulips, it's easy to miss important things. Mm. But when you are suffering, it's amazing how you can learn to care about other suffering people. I might never have had compassion for a mother who had lost a child. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I don't ever want to go through it again. But there was something different about me when I prayed for people who had lost children. You will know me, Jesus said, in the fellowship, the oneness, the camaraderie, the understanding of suffering. Jesus suffered on that cross. And life is full of strange things. But if Jesus can do it for the gospel's sake, Mm -hmm. so can I. Do I like it? No. Do I want it to happen to my kids? No. Yeah. Is it a part of reality? Yeah, if you love me, the world will hate 
your guts. Well, and especially escalated in the public eye, like you guys, mm-hmm. like you guys. Yep. You know, have been because you're been you're a, a tar- you're a you're a target. No. You're a target, mm-hmm. right? In a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Speaking of Target, I had one woman take me on in Target, <laughs> lying through her teeth. My baby daughter went after her. What do you mean? Tell me. Or can you not tell me? It cannot be said <laughs> ever. But I will tell you that she was a which doozy. Da- which daughter? Chloe, my Chloe. baby. <laughs> yes. I would love to I would love <laughs> You'd to love to be the mouse in that corner, wouldn't you? But... Uh. There is such a thing as righteous indignation yeah. when you cannot let the devil be the devil and you have yeah. to call the devil out. Yeah. You don't have to hurt the devil, yeah. but you have to call the devil what it is. Yeah. And when the devil uses people and people have a choice to act like the devil, then they ought to be prepared for devilish consequences. Yeah. And she set the woman straight. She diffused her. Yeah. I was worried. <laughs> when someone is that vile, yeah. I didn't know how what she would do to my daughter. Yeah. But what's really cool, what's really cool is my daughter spoke from her spirit. Yeah. And when she spoke from her spirit, it diffused her. We've got to learn to to deal with people from your spirit. Mm-hmm. We've got to learn to diffuse people from your spirit. If right. it doesn't work, then you've got to learn to keep on going. Yeah. I feel like I had an article once written about me that was kind of funny. And you know the story, The Unsinkable Molly Brown? Uh-huh. They titled the article, The Unsinkable Lindsay Roberts. Really? And I think that there is a supernatural grace that God gives us because my ship should have been sunk a long <laughs> time ago. I should have been yeah. at the bottom of the ocean, drowning and eaten by the sharks. Yeah. But God gives us a grace. Yeah. And if you're called to do something, I might not get to heaven pretty. Yeah. But as long as I get there and take people with me that were my responsibility on this earth, I may have had a few bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm still going there and I'm taking people with me. Did that make it does that make it hard for you to like when you go through like situations like that in public, mm-hmm. does it make it hard for you to want to be out in public? Like, do you feel like you kind There's of There's a part are... of me that does recluse a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I have to regroup and say, who will I miss mm. if I don't get up and do it again? Mm. Oral said to me one time after I had had so many miscarriages and all the junk that went with it, he said to me, I, I actually went to him and said, I quit. I'm done. I quit the ministry. I quit having babies. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. I quit. I literally, I quit. And he said, okay, which surprised me. I thought he'd kind of like fight me more yeah. on it. And he said, or I thought he'd be a little compassionate and say, <laughs> well, honey, let's, and, yeah. and he said, okay. And he said, but I'm only going to ask you one question. He said, if you quit, what's on the other side of expecting a miracle that you will never know mm. if you give up? I wow. told him that was fighting dirty. Yeah. And I said, okay. Let me think about it. Well, what's on the other side? Jordan, yeah. Olivia, yeah. and Chloe. Yeah. What's on the other side if I go home and think about me? And sometimes I do that. And sometimes I say, hell will freeze over mm-hmm. before I darken the door of a church, a mall, a Target, or anything else. Yeah. And then I come to my spirit self and tell my down flesh self, God, what do you want? Yeah. 
and you regroup and you have a grace to get up the next morning, do it again. Yeah. And life, when you're in the ministry, think about this. The, the word hate, mm-hmm. if God is love, the word hate is as far from that as you can get. Yeah. If you love me, the world will hate you. Imagine the feeling, the total and complete opposite of the love of God. And if you love God, that's what you're going to go through in the world. Mm. And I can honestly say, been there, done that. Yeah. But I also can't be disobedient. Does it get easier? No. Hmm. Actually, it, it's gotten harder at my age. Really? I know that sounds nutty, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that, and I'll tell you why I think it's gotten harder. Yeah. It's not gotten harder because I'm older. It's not gotten harder because the church is different. It's gotten harder, I think, because we're coming closer to the end times. Mm -hmm. I think we're living at an age when good looks like evil, evil looks like good, the church looks like this, the world looks like that. John Osteen, Joel Osteen's daddy used to say to us, the world looks so churchy and the church looks so worldly, it's hard Mm -hmm. to tell them apart. So as the, the world progresses into the book of Revelation... That is getting harder. Wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and gross darkness. Mm-hmm. So I think the vengeance and the vehemence coming the, coming against the mm-hmm. church has escalated. Mm-hmm. So has that gotten harder? Yeah, because I think the attack has even gotten harder than what I experienced. I mean, if Oral Roberts were alive today and preaching and praying for the sick and having tent crusades, he, they'd probably kill him. Yeah. You know? And so do I think it's changed? though? Because the world has changed. Right. It's different. I think it is different. And because I am older and because I'm protective of my family, it is different. Which family changes a lot, right? I mean, it ch- mm-hmm. the, when you kids and... Yeah. I can talk to them when they're kids and I can shelter them from certain things. Yeah. When they're grown adults, yeah. not so easy anymore. Right. Not so easy anymore. Yeah. Reality sets in. It was one of the most precious things I've ever been through when I saw the power of God rise up in my daughter... And she told that woman truth. Mm-hmm. It, I, there's something in me that makes me feel like when you raise your children in the word of God, it's amazing to me how God can give them that supernatural instant in and out of season word for the moment. And it's cool to yeah. see your children where their spirit man is talking, yeah, not their flesh. Yeah. Then you know, Mama, you did okay. Yeah. And what a journey, too. Yeah. You know, what a journey from yeah. when you think about what's on the other side of the miracle that you're believing for. Yeah. That's that's pretty heavy to think about that. You Especially know? when Oral Roberts says it yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure, too, like it's the last thing that you really want to believe for when you're having to bury your own child. Mm-hmm. Just the human emotion of that. You are mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. And if you're not, you're either something weird or you're yeah. dead. Yeah. So that's why we do have to remo- renew our mind daily with the Word of God. That's why we do have to submit our emotions to God. That's how we do have to give our will over to God. And that's why we have to bless the Lord with our soul. Because if we don't, our soul will run away with us. Our mind will run away with us. Our emotions will run away with us. Our thoughts will run away with us. But if you'll, sub- if you'll pass it over to God and say, God, you know what? I'm not doing so good at this right now. Yeah. So I'm going to bless you. And as I bless you, in return, you heal, 
You, you forgive all my iniquities. You heal my diseases. You redeem my life from destruction, even yeah. self-destruction sometimes. Yeah. You crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. That feels good right now. And you renew my, my youth like the eagles. My mouth is so filled with such good things when mm. I really am thinking to say something very different than that, right. that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. When the eagles have their youth renewed, they pound off their old feathers. Mm. And when they pound off their old feathers, what's underneath is like baby skin, like mm. brand new. You become brand new. When I turn my humanness over to his godliness, yeah. he can make all things new. Not easy always, but new. Incredible. And your life's that story. My life is we that We could sit story. here and talk for days, honestly. I know. <laughs> it only took you like 27 years to get uh, me to do this. I know. We'll have to do it again. But I'll tell you, you and, and Richard are both heroes of mine. And, uh, oh, you're precious. I would Thank take you. anybody on in a Target in a hot Thank minute. You. Let me at them. Let me at them. Let me at them. I used to I get my it. Starbucks cappuccino from <laughs> That's this right. man. That's the truth. And he did That's have true. purple hair one day and, and green I, hair the I next. I was the best barista you ever had. You Just were the lie best barista I've ever had. And you know what? It goes back to your tattoos. I didn't care what color your hair was. I Just, saw you had a heart for God. I appreciate and it. And a good cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of The Table Podcast. Do us a favor. Let your friends know if you like the podcast. It was helpful. Like, rate, subscribe, tell somebody. See you next time.